0: Guys, this is the pivot. This is Chan MRC, that's Freddie T. We have Dwayne Johnson. It doesn't matter if you have Dwayne Johnson. I had to.
1: I had to. It just came out. Okay, I get it. it just came out. Uh Dwayne Rock Johnson here, Pivot. First of all, it was a pleasure to talk to my boys. Cannot wait. These guys are going down. We're all going down to San Antonio. Can't wait. It's as if 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 the XFL had a game day, this is gonna be it. So it's gonna be Fred, it's gonna be me, it's gonna be Ryan, and the second sexiest man alive, Channing, <laughs> we're gonna have a great time. We cannot wait.
0: Got my people feeling militant, uh, way I'm feeling get me up, uh, on a mission, get me up, uh, knowin' me, I got the key, uh, on this bitchin' I can trust, uh, trust, uh, limitless, take a stomach, cap a in it, uh, I father here to witness it, got my people feeling militant, uh, way I'm feeling get me up, uh, on a mission, get me up, uh, Knowing me, I got the key... Well, here we are, fellas. We're at the XFL headquarters in Arlington. I mean, it's the day before the XFL championship. We got the D.C. Defenders. You have the Arlington Renegades. And they'll be meeting in the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. It's a cool story. The XFL, they tried it two times before. Danny Garcia, along with some guy who's her partner, Dwayne or... Johnson? Is that his name? Yeah, oh, something DJ. like that. Skinny dude. Yeah, skinny dude. Right? Skinny dude. Not that much money. Yeah, it was the quickest yes he ever said in order to buy the XFL and become her partner because he didn't really have the money or the success to afford it. But, you know, you look at this league and now you have two teams in the championship. One of those teams, the DC Defenders, are 10 and one, the Arlington Renegades are five and six. This is a team that was four and six in the season, they're trying to make like a 2011 New York Giants run when they beat the New England Patriots. And you got a DC area team, a Dallas area team, like the old days of the NFC East when people actually cared about it before Philadelphia had to bring it back. The stories of the XFL are stories of redemption, stories of second chances, but also just stories of opportunities. Fred, you mentioned when we talked to The Rock, you have a personal connection with your son Kelvin playing for the Orlando uh, Guardians. And some of your conversations that you've been able to have with him, what have those conversations been like? And what did he say playing in this league was like?
1: Just opportunity. You know, uh, The Rock called it the league of opportunity. Just talking to KT, you know, he just wanted to play ball. Just wanted the opportunity just to get out there and compete, get out there and put something on tape with hopes of potentially getting back to the NFL someday. At the end of the day, RC, I think it just comes down to passion. You know, a lot of these guys, they're not getting the NFL type contracts, but they want to play ball because they still have these dream hopes and aspirations of getting back in the NFL, or more so just just being able to play ball and compete, you know, uh, week in, week out, you know, against guys that have done it at the highest level. So, uh, you know, it, it's a personal connection. You know, he loved, he loved his opportunity and uh, he still wants to fight to try and get back again.
0: There are people on your side of it who have been able to see what it can do for young players who didn't get the opportunity in the NFL or didn't get an opportunity to capitalize on it in the way that they wanted to, to continue to live a passion, to continue to live a dream. But Chan... You were on the other side of it yeah. when Dwayne Johnson and Danny Garcia purchased the XFL in 2020. And now, and as the league was coming to the point or nearing the beginning of its 2023 season, saying that it couldn't work. And we've seen it fail before. Why were those your thoughts previous or prior to the season? And
2: where are you now? My opinion was coming straight financial, it was a business thought. Like the passion, I understand the passion, I understand the opportunity, and it makes sense if everybody wants that last chance in anything in life. But y'all know how passion tastes? It don't have no flavor because you can't eat passion. You have to buy food to eat. You have to buy food to pay rent. And my thought was just the XFL failing so many times in the past, twice in the past, the AAF. It was a number of leagues trying to, I would say, compete with the NFL or be on that same level. What's kind of swaying me now is after talking to The Rock. And he's like, I went and sat down with Roger Goodell. How can we work together? And that's what you have to do. Could this be a feeder league to the NFL? Something of that nature where the business side of it makes sense. Getting the guys out there, we know there's only 1,600 guys in the league a year. There's thousands of guys coming out of college every single year, and they're not going to get a spot to give them somewhere to play and if they might need to develop. Guys that were at terrible schools, we all know bad coaches. You were at a college with a terrible-ass coach for four years. He did not develop you or make you any better. You could have that in you, and nobody pulled it out. Mm -hmm. To come up here with a Greg Williams, come up here with a Coach Stoops, guys that know how to do it, I see the passion side of it But the business side was where I was real perplexed on how is this gonna work? How are these sponsorships? How is this salary cap gonna work to really make this a league that has staying power?
0: Well, I think the other piece of it is it's not just how much staying power you can have based on the economics. It's also getting people interested in it enough. And a lot of times teaming up with a giant is how you do that. Making sure the giant doesn't in some way try to squash you, that they put you You know what I mean? Like That's what life is about, right? When you get these relationships with people that could put you in certain rooms, because it isn't always a situation to where people don't have the talent, it's that they haven't gotten their talent in front of the right rooms, in front of the right people, in front of the right decision makers. And that's what you do when you go talk to Roger Goodell and Troy Vincent. And also sometimes you gotta make the pretty girl feel prettier, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Like, like sometimes the, like the pretty girl wants to be the only 10 in the room. And you gotta tell her, but you gonna be that. Yeah. Even though they turn their head when I walk in, they still want you. The only ones that's coming for me is the ones that know they can't get you, mm-hmm. right? Cause you booed up. And so I think that that was the smart play by the XFL, but then on the other side of it is, okay, Reggie Barlow, Mm -hmm. a coach at Virginia State, the the CIA, a coach of the year in 2017, a dude that's played in the league. He wasn't gonna get this chance to be a head coach in the NFL and maybe he wasn't even gonna get a shot on the professional level. Now you've shown you can lead an organization, you can get a team to be 10-1, and you can take that team to a championship, a dude like Greg Williams, who I play for, who I love, if not for Greg Williams, I don't have the career that I have, but there's Bounty Gate, and then there's the interim head coach with the New York Jets and all of those things, and now all of a sudden, dude is out of the league, he's coaching here. Mm -hmm. I know what he did for my career, imagine what he's doing for these guys now. When you look at the coaches who are either getting second chances, Mm -hmm. Freddie T, or first chances to be head coaches or leaders of organizations like T-Buck, like Reggie Barlow. How good do you think that is, not only for the XFL, but for the coaching ranks in general?
1: You know, they're not rookies coming in. It's all about experience. Everyone that you've named from Reggie Barlow, Greg Williams, we're going to talk to Bob Stoops. You know, all these guys have been successful in some sort of way. But they have the, the playing experience as former NFL players. They don't have the NFL coaching experience. Well, Reggie doesn't. But, again, going back to the league of opportunity and making sure that everything outside of the business structure, Chan, everything from a player standpoint and experience, they have that. And they're able to share that and give that to these young men. And also they're able to grow the game from that perspective. So going back to that that partnership you spoke about, Dwayne talking to Roger Goodell and Troy, uh, Troy Vincent, when the former owner of the XFL, Vince McMahon, if you go back and look at it, It seems that he came in aggressively, you know, just on the outside looking in. I don't know if he uh, um, went and talked to those guys. So in terms of trying to compete versus the NFL, you're never going to win. So to to give you a little pushback, I think this league is going to succeed because I think Dwayne and his partner uh, Danny, I think they understand business structure. I think they what does have
0: it to do though business? with it now being less gimmicky because if you remember the XFL because it was Vince <laughs> McMahon because they they felt like I can't compete with the NFL. I'm not necessarily trying to be the NFL's little brother or feeder system, I'm gonna make it more entertaining. Let's, We're gonna
1: do right. all these different things. Let's frame things. it like wrestling. Yeah. Let's, let's make it look like wrestling. Let's, let's take it. It's not gonna be arena football. It's gonna be arena football outside the arena. But I believe, again, DJ, our homie, they understand the business. They understand selling. They understand marketing. And I think they're gonna put it in a good place. And I think bringing in former players, you bring some star power you know, to the platform. And then former coaches. Star power, instant credibility to the platform. If you look at college sports, if you look at merchandise sales, more former players have bigger merchandise sales than a lot of current players because people have that attachment. And a lot of times it's as simple as that, attachment. So fans follow their favorite players. When I meet fans, they became fans of the Jaguars because of me, mm-hmm. because of you and because of you so forth and so on. So they're going to follow this league.
2: Fred, that's perfect. And I thought about it when y'all said wrestling. What makes wrestling? What makes wrestling is The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin. But it's the stars. It's the names. Like Luis Perez, the Arlington Renegades quarterback. Like watching him play football, I can see he's a hell of a football player. He's had a crazy, crazy journey. But people attach themselves to players. Mm -hmm. They're still looking to replace you in Jacksonville. Travis Etienne, good luck. You know what I'm saying? People come to you all the time, R.C. Man, we we need you and Troy back there again. Yo ass 43 years old.
0: Yeah, I can't do nothing.
2: They're attached to you like that, and that would be my thought of you bring up feeder program. It can't be as soon as I ball out in XFL, all I'm doing is waiting for the NFL contract. You could get sponsors. You could get TV deals. But for a fan base to attach itself to like a Peyton Manning, like a, a, a Brady, those guys, let's go to that next tier, Dan Marino. People are still talking about Dan Marino in Miami. Dan Marino's 116. But that's the that's the attachment that fans get to single individuals that make me feel amazing on a Sunday or Saturday afternoon. And that's where the XFL is in its infancy phase right now. That's what I'm interested to see. A guy like Louis Perez, can the Arlington people back him for six, seven, eight, nine years? That's when you get true fans and they start to love
0: that team. Yeah, I think I don't think that ever happens though. I mean, you look at, you know, I made kind of the the inference to the Dallas area team and to the DC area team. This is not gonna be Commander's Cowboys ever. It's not gonna be that. And so what it has to become is I'm entertained by it and I start to root for the underdog no matter what their name is on the back of their jersey. That I wanna see people play for the passion that I can now, that And Luis Perez, who has been in the AAF, the USFL, who has bounced around, who was a college walk-on, I can see myself in him and doing what he loves to do the same way I do what I love to do that may not get me all this fame. And I believe it is difficult. I, I I don't disagree with Fred and what he's saying, but I also agree with you in the sense that it's a very hard sell, which is why this is the third time we're trying to sell it. But what we're gonna get an opportunity today to do is to talk to coaches, to talk to players, to talk to people who have been involved in the 2023 XFL season, who will be showcased in the XFL championship in San Antonio, in the Alamo Dome, and maybe they can tell us why this league will act. What's up, guys? What up, Coach? Oh, yes, how we man. doing? Coach, we are not holding <laughs> it against <laughs> good to you. Good you, man. Good to see you, brother, yes, sir. Coach, we are not holding it against you that you want, coach, that Florida. <laughs> ah, my man, Fred. <laughs> hey, how you
1: doing, hey, buddy? Old man, good to see you. You're, You're very too. good in what oh, he I've does. I've been watching you hey. on TV and all. And, hey, um, trying to be like these yeah.
0: guys. Yeah. Hey, <clears throat> well, listen, I'm not gonna, I do a show with two Gators all the time. Yeah? The fact that Coach Stoops coached there, I'm not going <laughs> to hold it against him. I see him more as a Sooner anyway, and thank God for him. Yeah, yep. You thank don't know God, where man. Coach would be without Florida. I
1: mean, listen, <laughs> well, we it, don't know where Florida it, would be without Florida. springboarded coach. me, no doubt about it. Hey, so. Coach, I'm going to tell you real quick. When you came in that year, I was I got suspended three games. I remember going up against you guys. They had me on the, uh, the look squad against the number one defense. And all you ever used to say was, mayday, 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 do it again. That means Reset. do it again. Do it again, do it again. How much do you have to remind the pro guys on this level in the XFL? How often do you have to mayday them?
3: We don't mayday near as much when, you know, a limited roster, 50-man, 50 51-man uh, roster, you don't, you don't mayday a whole lot. You, you just teach off a of tape. But funny story, my very first scrimmage at Florida, Coach Spurrier, I got Fred Taylor in the backfield, Danny Warfel at quarterback, Redell Anthony, Ike Hilliard, and Jaques Green all at the wideouts. Oh, yeah. They're going up and down the field. Hey, turn it around, Coach Bird. Say, let's go the other way. They go down three, four plays, touchdown. Come back the other way, five plays, touchdown. Um, He, he yells across the field at me. He goes, Bobby, Coach Spurrier. He says, you think we'll be able to force a punt this year? <laughs> <laughs> they were. Wearing me out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was a good time. But you guys made me better because I was suspended, so I missed those three games. So going up against that number one defense, when I came off suspension, I was ready. I was I like lightning out of a bottle. I just and I just had a big season then my senior season, I didn't look back, ended up getting drafted ninth. And I owe a lot of that credit to how hard well, you made us work. You
3: were you were hard to deal with. You what a great, great player. And uh Coach Spurrier at the end of that scrimmage he Walks me in the locker room, put his arm around me. He says, Bobby, he goes, just keep doing what you're doing. He goes, you won't see anybody like
0: us. <laughs> that was true. <laughs> that was that true. Was true I we won the, the national time.
3: championship. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Coach, first, I want to say thank you for sitting down with us. I mean, you're a coaching legend. What you were able to do at Oklahoma, 18 seasons, 10 Big 12 championship appearances. I mean, just to be that sort of legend, walk away from the game, and then come back and share that same passion. Talking to you right now, Coach, watching you coach throughout this season, I can see how much the fire for football still burns in you. What has this season been like coaching here for the Renegades? It's been
3: a real joy. As you guys would get, you know, I hadn't been in the the pro level. So you guys all have. What I love about it is these guys love football. I have had not one problem. These guys show up every day because they love the game, want to have this platform to show how they can play. And when I leave the field, I don't have to go into an academic meeting. (laughs) I don't have to go to a compliance meeting. I don't have to go to a recruiting meeting. I don't have to call Johnny's parents because Johnny won't go to class. (laughs) So (laughs) these guys are all grown men that are that are, you know, love the game and really fun to work with. And and as you know, they pick it all up so fast because they played so much football. So it's been a real joy. I I've really had a great time with it. And uh, you know, gonna miss these guys when the season's over, you know, for a while.
2: And coach, I was gonna ask that too about, you know, being with the, the college guys and the NFL guys. This is kind of a, a new league that's been tried a couple of times, but the yeah. motivation there, because these kids are all trying to make it to the league and they're that's 18. Right. But now you got grown men. With the same dream that aren't there what's that motivation to these xfl dudes? It, it, that's it
3: they we want them to to be picked up in camps and have a chance at the nfl yeah. again and you know there may be a few older guys that realize this is their last bit but are a bunch of younger guys that are you think of the last five to ten guys cut from every nfl team mm-hmm. those are good football players yeah. and and they're they're in this league and and so uh you know, it, it's fun to give them that platform to show that they could still play, and they're they're hungry for it. So it's been it's been good.
2: You ever you ever see a guy first day tackle drills, some drill, he ain't gonna be alone. <laughs> <laughs> you ever see that guy? He ain't gonna be alone. We
3: we've had several, you know, and and uh, I've got like uh, a tight end from 2020 when we were here with the Renegades. Mm-hmm. Donald Parham is playing for the Chargers. So there, there's guys throughout the league that'll make it. And, and we want them to make it. We're, we're all for them, you know, and push that for them. We, I've seen there's a bunch of guys that are already invited to mini camps. And uh, ours, some of ours, they're waiting until our game's over for some of the invites for the teams that are still playing. So anyway, there's it's a league of opportunities, and a lot of these guys are really taking advantage of it.
0: You know, Coach, we like to get to know the person. I think we've all just been enamored with what you've done in your coaching career and seeing you continue that now in Arlington. Uh, when you stepped away from Oklahoma, you were older than your father was when he passed. And you come from a football family. You know Your father spent some of his last days or his last day coaching football. What is this game given to you that you try to give back to each and every player you coach?
3: you know as much as anything you, we all are in it we love the competitiveness uh, i think that 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 comes first and growing up in a football family my father all my brothers are in coaching it's just what we do and you're kind of a little bit lost when you don't have it you y'all you, you we all get addicted to the to the competition but the other part of it that that i love and, and it's happening with this team there are the relationships The camaraderie in a locker room with a bunch of your Brothers, you know, players, coaches, you, you, you've you got a gang with you all the time. And, and you, the different personalities are always fun to interact with. And that's what I love about it. And, and that's what I missed the few years I was out. And, uh, you know, just being able to, to have that brotherhood, you know, of guys that are all doing the same
1: thing and fighting for the same thing. Coach, talk about your quarterback, Luis Perez. How has he helped you leave the locker room and manage those guys? Yeah, Luis has been a
3: huge. Galvanizing force for this team in the last four weeks. He's played great. Luis got a great arm. Incredibly smart, bright guy to get in and out of the right plays, or to or to read uh, defense quickly and get the ball out. You know, so Luis has really been uh, he's been the biggest plus for us, and 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 really is a natural leader in the locker room, on the field, guys follow him and uh, really a neat guy to be around. I think he's right now just catching his rhythm going into our fifth game with him.
0: Coach, with you guys, you know, you finished the season four and six. You're playing a team that has beaten you in the semifinals, and you guys come out. During the season, you move the ball, not necessarily put it in the end zone, struggled scoring sometimes, and you have an explosion, and the game ends up not even being close. How did you get your team to play so well in the semifinal after working the entire season to kind of find that stride, as you said, your quarterback is right now.
3: Yeah, we were terribly inconsistent throughout the year, and in particular the week before playing Houston, before we beat them in the semifinals. And I I think a lot of it for us has been self-inflicted problems, mental mistakes, uh, pre-snap, post-snap penalties that put us behind the chains, those kind of things. turnovers you know and in particular turn turnovers that uh, for touchdowns and we had one the week before against houston so what we did in the semifinals is we cleaned up our game and that to me is what really has to happen is us play as well as we can eliminate the foolish penalties and or turnovers and you know the mental mistakes that that happen and and if we play a clean game we really give ourselves a great chance and and especially with uh, Luis, the way he's catching his rhythm, our quarterback, Luis Perez. If we can do all those things, we've got a really good
2: chance. And, Coach, when did you feel as if your team was playing was playing Stoops ball? We all watch you. We've know, we know we watched what it looks like when you line a team up. But yeah. it, it's up, uh, the XFL, the camp, the, the structure of it, how you're coming, in. you're not having a veteran quarterback coming back that knows the offense and it's, it's a difference here. Yeah. When did you go home laying in the bed and said, not my team playing?
3: Truthfully, our last game just <laughs> semi.
2: That's when that's
3: really the only game we've really played a clean, smart game. When I mean by smart, once you possess the football, hand it to Fred, You don't lose that ball. Mm -hmm. I don't worry about a quarterback gets tipped or throwing it in there and get leads to an interception. I don't mean that. Not foolishly throwing one right to somebody or running back dropping the ball Mm -hmm. or pre and post snap penalties after the play. Penalties ahead of the play. Just put you behind the chain. It's just not smart football. And knowing what you're doing, not having mental mistakes that are simple, you know, those kind of things. And we really did all that in our last game. And to me, that's what I like to think as a coach that's how my teams play, is they don't beat themselves, And, and we, we finally did that in our last game, and hopefully we can do it again.
0: You have a team in the D.C. Defenders who are 10-1, and, and you guys played them in an overtime game early on this season. 17-point comeback. Put yourselves in position to win that game showed you, okay, now we can go play with this team, even though their record is what it is. And I believe they lost to the Orlando Guardians, and that was their only win yeah. of the season. What is it going to take from you guys to beat this team who has been the best team in the XFL the entire year? Yeah,
3: and Reggie Barlow's the coach of the yep. year in our league, and I, uh, Reggie's an awesome guy, and he deserves it. Uh, you know, they've got uh, the best record by far. Both their coordinators on each side of the ball do a Excellent job. And we realize that. But the fact that we played them a few weeks ago, played them well, took them into overtime, and still realized we could play better. We still had some self inflicted wounds in that game, uh, for instance, through an interception for a touchdown. Yep. So if we can play, like I said a little just a minute ago, a clean game, smart game by taking care of the ball, um, you know, and execute the way we're capable of, I, I believe we're a better football team today than we were a few weeks ago.
0: Well, I can say it is, Coach. Football is better today than it was a few years ago without you. I and thank you that. so much for spending some time with us and best of luck. This
3: week. Thank you. Yes, I appreciate you guys. Cool.
0: Thank you.
2: <laughs> yes, All so, right. That
0: was awesome. Mayday, it, buddy.
1: Good to see
2: you, man. Good to
1: see you,
2: man. Yeah, we're just talking, man.
1: Good to see you again.
2: What up, my
0: guy? Good to see you, boy. Good to see you, too, man. Marquette King of the Raiders of the Broncos still should be in the NFL. All uh, right. Down with his own punt. Yeah. <laughs> <Voodoo>. <laughs> you know, I was just talking before you got here. I remember seeing you on the field last summer
4: mm-hmm.
0: in AZ. AZ. Punting and us just having conversation about being a black punter. Yeah. About, about how that scene, about the difficulties of making it, and also the difficulties of making it in the NFL and being authentically yourself and, and being very unique and the talent, obviously being there. After dealing with some of those things in the NFL and now being here, what has this season for you in the XFL been like?
5: Man, it's been good. I mean, I, it's almost like a breath of fresh air uh, playing under Stoops and under the mm-hmm. Renegades and stuff. And I mean, I'm just enjoying life again. I'm, st- I'm still somewhat trying to find my love of the game again, Cause just because I got bit. um, I didn't finish on the terms that I wanted to finish on, but I mean, that's the fun part about life. Like, you get a chance to do it and find a way to
1: improve yourself, better yourself in different ways. So, I mean, it's been real good for me. And with that, you played in the former XFL under Vince McMahon and with the St. Louis Battle halt, right? Mm-hmm. 2019, in comparison, to this business model under Dwayne Johnson and uh, Danny Garcia, what's the, what's the biggest difference?
5: They understand what the culture is right now, and the culture is all about entertainment, it's all about social media. Dwayne and Danny Garcia are definitely trying to create a culture in these different cities. So, yeah, you can definitely see them pushing for that to happen.
2: Bro, it's funny you say that about the social media and uh, antics, I guess. Because mm-hmm. that's what I would say. I would say a lot of people attach to your name antics. Is what you do accepted here more? Because the NFL ain't like your ass dancing all the time when you punt a damn ball in the coffin corner. They don't like that shit, bro. I don't know if anybody told you, but I'm going to be real with you. I feel that. Is that still a part of your game and the
5: acceptance is here, or wasn't there? It's somewhat a part of my game still. I mean, I'm still myself, but at the same time, like, I understand it's a game inside the game. So I feel like now, at this stage, I'm kind of detached. I'm still focusing on being the best me I can be as far as a really good punter. But uh, it's somewhat of a, a huge detachment from the emotional part of it.
2: You can't be your best with that feeling. We all play I mean, the game. You, can't have, you, you said you lost love and detached. Number two things that can't make you punt I mean, that bitch to San Antonio right now. You can look at the stats. <laughs> I still got
5: the stats. I'm still the best me. I'm not going to go out there and make myself look dumb and look trash. Like, I'm still be the best me. But like, I'm sure there's a lot of people that's playing in this league that's a little detached. But I don't know, I know how to get my job done. I've been doing it for years. And I'm still going to be the best no matter what I do.
1: I've read things where people have called you strange, different, sometimes even a diva. Are you the Dennis Rodman of pro sports?
5: I don't know. Dennis Rodman was a little interesting. And he was a little bit more but wild. But they, they now, say uh, the
1: same thing about you. Interesting. Yeah. You got the piercings. I like yeah. you. cool, bro. Appreciate you know what I'm saying? But I, we've heard these things. So I just wanted you to put it out
5: there. I mean, I'm just me. I don't know who. I never try to be anybody else. I just try to live life to the max because I... Like I said, like I said before, I've read this, I read this article about people on their deathbed and they regret trying to live life for other people instead of themselves. While they lay there, they're just regretting doing that. And I don't want to be one of those. Um, like I said, I do what I got to do to get my job done. I mean, if, especially now, if, I definitely want to finish on a good note. So if it requires me to chill out, I can chill out easily. But I, mean, I, know, I'm, I know I'm a little different but it ain't, Their life is my life, a thousand percent.
0: I think the thing is everybody's freaking different. Well, what happens man. is there's a type that does certain things, right? Dudes that are lawyers, they're, they're a type and you look at them a certain way and you're used to them being a certain way. When it comes to football, for a long time, the quarterback position looked a certain way. Yeah. Specialists have always looked a certain way. Yeah. It's, but you're one of six black punters. Right, I think Reggie Roby is the one we all know because he wore freaking Timex or something like that, and that when <laughs> he punted and he was amazing. But I think that's where we say the difference becomes comes in because like football players that are African-American or, or black, which is 75 plus percent of the league, act like us mostly. Mm-hmm. And that's just the real. That's just what it is. You ain't different in no bad way. and I'm not. Right. And we are definitely not saying that. But you mentioned that people in this league, other than you, are detached. And I could see that some people in this league. I can see that, especially for the older guy who is maybe on the side of his career that's not on the up. What's different about you and the rest of those people is they wasn't second team all pro in 2016. There's not a lot of dudes in this league that can legitimately say at some point in my life, in this actual game, I was one of the best in the world at what I do. You can say that. And being able to say that and now being here what has the personal journey been like? Because it actually pains me a little bit to hear you say, like, I know there's a game within the game. Because the most beautiful thing in life is to be yourself and be loved for it. So on the personal side of still trying to do this, trying to get the love back and be the best you can be, how are you feeling just the the human element of it?
5: You got to accept the fact that it is what it is. Once you realize that it is what it is, then the journey starts where you just... You focus on, I don't know, my focus was to finish on my own terms, finish on the right terms for myself to make myself feel better about everything. So I had to just swallow whatever I had, pride, whatever. And, um, cause I know, I'm still, I know I'm still better than over half of the punters in the league. So it's like, all right, well, if I want to get back or if I want to give myself a chance to get back, uh, I got to realize the fact that I'm not perfect. I'm not no angel. So I know it's things that I could have done a lot better to rub people a little bit differently than I did.
0: So is you playing here now, is the, is the goal of playing, of being in the XFL to prove that you can be a certain way personally, but you can also still do your job at a high enough level to get another opportunity in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, the goal is to just come back and just show that I can still
5: punt, but also, like,
6: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
5: I just want to finish on a hot note. I want to show that I can still hang with the big dogs. Basically what you said.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like, like, be real. Because you you even said, like, you felt like discrimination was a part of it. Like, it was a series of tweets.
5: Yeah, for sure. It, It definitely was a part of it, I feel like. But, I mean... What am I gonna do about it? The only thing I can do is just go back out there and perform and enjoy myself. And especially with this platform where they want you to show personality and stuff. It's so funny because some of the coaches I know, uh, even when I was trying out at the Novak camp, they were like, you know what, all this stuff that you were doing in the NFL, we want you to do that here. And I'm like, okay. All right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta adjust and move forward. Like yeah. we say, you brought up the finish. You say you want to finish on a good note, you know, right to end of your story. What does that look like? Like to actually piggybacking off R.C.'s question, how do you want to finish that would make you feel like this is what it was supposed to be? I think I want to finish back
5: playing in the NFL. Like I know I can make an impact in a positive way. Like when I was at the high point of my career, I feel like I wasn't looking at things the same way outside of football like I am now. I had three, four, five years probably to sit back in my house and just think about all the other things I could have done right to maybe keep myself afloat in that game, in that league, or to make an impact with a bunch of people a different way. So, I mean, I don't know exactly what it is, but I know, I mean, I'm probably playing football for three more years, period. And if it don't get done then, then
1: I'm out. You're probably one of the most popular players in this entire league. You've tasted that success, as RC said, second team All-Pro in the NFL. And I'm sure you aspire to get back to that level. Is that the mindset of most of these players in the XFL? They want to try and perform here and make a name for themselves, then go to the NFL? Or they're content with being
5: No, they definitely want to make it to the next league. I I actually have a lot of young cats walk up to me, asking me questions about the league, how it goes and everything. And even when I see some of the young players feeling a certain type of way, getting super emotional on the sideline, I step up to them and I'm like, hey, you got to chill out. Like, if you really want to give yourself a chance, like... Like, I've made a couple of mistakes, right. and you know what I'm saying? I've seen other people make mistakes, so like, chill out, act like this, and like, it'll be okay. And it's cool, cause they actually take my advice and stuff, so like, I
7: don't know, a lot of, a lot of the
5: young cats do want to get to the next level, and however I can help them out with the advice that I got, or what I've experienced. I'm going to do my best.
2: And bro, I got to ask you, because like R.C. said, you're not a, you don't look like the normal punters. I hated the punters when I played with them. Because (laughs) y'all don't do a damn thing. You play golf while I'm out there getting my damn head beat. Hey, check, hey. Checking they stocks.
0: I used to walk downstairs, bro, and Sean Sweetson would be sitting Indian style with Greg Warren on the computer (laughs) checking they stocks. Boy I've been in meetings five hours and you checking stock. You I wish you would snap a ball bad. I'm about to hit Ricky Williams
2: and you day trade get your ass out of this locker room. <laughs> no,
5: it's different though, because like even even a couple of weeks ago I was running a scout team on offense at receiver. So like I don't I don't I don't wanna be labeled as no normal punter. Like that's not it's not in my blood. Like I came up as a receiver and I was just good at punting. So I just started what I was good at.
2: But being a punter, though, like I tell you the story, my wife right now, 12 years, we just we just had a 12-year anniversary. Congrats, man. One of the first games she ever came to, luckily, and it's crazy, I had one interception in my career, but it was to win the game against Tom Brady. So she's in the box, and she sees me pick a ball off to win a game against Tom Brady. That's She might have married me because of that. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Don't ask her because I don't want to know the real <laughs> But. Do you have women come to the game to watch you kick a ball and walk off the field? That's not sexy. <laughs>
5: I mean, my girlfriend, I mean. But <laughs> like, she be like, great game, baby? She, she definitely talks a lot of trash. She's a boxer, so like, she talks a lot of trash. I mean, she talks a lot of trash, but she's a huge supporter, though. So, but I do have people come to the game and watch me kick a ball. I mean, <laughs> I give them a hug, know, shake their hand,
0: and talk to them for a little bit, and then just send them on their way. Okay. I mean, man, I asked specifically to talk to you when we had an opportunity. I believe your story is interesting. I think you're a good dude. Every time I've met you or seen you, you've always been more than solid. And I believe that you should be playing in the NFL. And it's no disrespect to the XFL, but that's what this league is about. Giving people opportunities to show that they have that level of talent. And whether it's the Raiders, the Broncos, or the Arlington Renegades, man. You have that level of talent, bro. We appreciate your time. Best of luck this weekend. I appreciate y'all. My dog. Man, where I get my ears pierced then?
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> He's crazy. Tell me what you
1: did.
4: That's hey, the other game part game. though
0: too. He swole too though. <laughs> yeah, when he was out there punting, he was out there last year. He had a little cutoff joint on. Not about your business.
8: How you guys doing? What do you mean? Good to meet you guys. Awesome. Good to meet you. Good to meet you. how you doing? Got, man, good. Good, for sure. Pretty
0: Luis, good. man, I heard you was a hooper now in high school. Oh, not bad. I not heard bad. you do a little <laughs> something. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. A little, <laughs> little nah. bit. But my man did walk on though, and get his and work his way to this point though. That's I the. I did. It's a different story. You know, man, it's so crazy, just reading up on you, the AAF. You've played in different leagues. I mean, hell, you were on a different team this year, bro. Yeah. You get traded from the Vipers in the middle of the year, you're going to a team that doesn't have a winning record. And now you've gotten to this point to where you'll be playing in the XFL championship, not just about this season, but what has the journey been like in general, just
8: continuing to stay consistent and believe in yourself? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was, like you said, the belief in myself and the amount of work I put in gives me the confidence, right, to keep playing the game. Uh, Like you mentioned earlier, like, I I didn't even play football in high school, right? So I'm so far behind mentally of just like, man, I still got to play catch up. You know, those four years everybody else got in in high school, I never got them. So I was always in that mindset of like, hey, I got to catch up. I got to keep going. I got to get ahead of these guys. And now at this point in my career, I may not be in that state anymore. I might be ahead of a lot of these guys now. But in my mind, I'm still like, man, I got to chase. I got to keep going.
0: That's crazy to me because I'm an undrafted guy. We always talk about The undrafted guy, he's a first-rounder. Channing thought he was, he spent like a first-rounder before the draft. And then he realized, uh, you know, he was a third-round guy. And you say that even right now, even though right now the play or where you worked yourself, you seem ahead, you still feel behind. What is it going to take for you to have that moment where you can finally relax and say, you know what? I have accomplished a lot of things. I have put myself in a better position.
8: To me, I think the moment you start to kind of relax, that's when you start to descend, right? Like, I feel like you can always learn. You know, shoot, Tom Brady's probably still learning, right? He, he doesn't know it all. And I think with the, having that mindset of like, hey, I haven't accomplished anything. You know, even like you said, I might have. Like, I gotta just keep going and keep climbing this mountain because I don't know when I'm gonna get to the top, if there's even a top, right? So I think I just gotta keep working myself, working way up, and just keep building. Your journey,
1: as R.C. said, has been a constant pivot. You've had a couple stints in the NFL, twice with the Rams, the Lions, and Philly, USFL. So you've been several places. I would get tired of all that different movement, me personally. And I know this might sound a bit rhetorical, but why do you do it? Like, why do you keep coming back?
8: Two reasons. One, God, I have faith, and I believe um, where I need to be. And two, I love the game. I love the game. You know, my family sacrificed so much, for me to even be here right now, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that no one even knows about, right, so even, for me to even be here. And the love of this game that I have, the passion, the drive, the hunger to be great that I have, it just, it's still with me. And, I, you know, I'm going to keep playing the game as long as I have that hunger.
2: You've been in, like friend Ryan said, you've been in a number of leagues. This new XFL, this two, 2023 XFL, how does it compare to those other leagues, those other organizations you've been with? what Dwayne, The Rock, Johnson, and these people are doing. How does it compare to your past ventures?
8: Yeah, no, they're doing a phenomenal job. I think the biggest thing was kind of the hospitality they brought. You know, everything's first class. Everything we've done has been first class. And, you know, talking off the field and talking on the field, I mean, the biggest thing, you can see the hunger in these guys. Like, these guys really want to play and win and prove to everybody that they can actually play the game. You know, a lot of guys get stuck on practice squads, and they don't really get to show themselves. You know, they're on practice squad, they practice all week, but – you know, particularly in my case as a quarterback, you know, really, I mean, it's good to be on practice court, but you got to go on and play live bullets, pocket, you know. There's so many things you can't really emulate in practice that you can do in a game, and you can see the hunger in these guys that, you know, they really want to prove to everybody they can play.
0: You get an opportunity, and you're like, okay, today we're sitting with Luis Perez, and he's a a college walk-on, a guy that didn't play football in high school. He goes undrafted. He's, he's He's with Los Angeles. Sean McVay actually says good things about him and you have all of these things that, that become a part of your journey and you can just go back a few weeks and you throw a pick six and it's uh, DJ Swearinger and it goes, I guess it was a double move and it wasn't supposed to be ran and you throw the ball. How do you come back from a moment like that on a team that you just joined halfway through the season to then dominate the Houston Roughnecks who are a team that had beaten the Arlington Renegades twice already this season.
8: Yeah, I think you said it good. It's, you know, it's really about us and what we do. If you go back and watch the tape the first time we played DC, you know, we drive down the field first drive. We get to the one yard line. We can't get in the end zone. We kick three points, right? That's just one thing. Like you said, DJ Swanger, right? We had an option route. I'm thinking he's breaking in, he breaks out. Pick six. There's another time where they brought cover zero. Greg brought cover zero. I'm ready to throw a hitch. Receiver doesn't turn on time. I hold the ball too long sack, get my field kicker out of field goal range, he misses the field goal, right? So those little plays, three to five plays, change every game, right? So if you see that, you're like, man, it's really not about what they do, it's about what we do. And I think Houston, this last week was, hey, we were clicking on all cylinders, like all 11 were on phase, and, you know, as you can see, that was a result of it. As an XFL quarterback,
1: uh, we understand the NFL comes with start power, and the XFL is trying to create that. They're trying to create that identity with their players so they can gain that following. And being here in Arlington, we're in pretty much football heaven, or at least that's what our producer and most Cowboys fans think.
0: (laughs) Nah, I would certainly (laughs) call this purgatory.
1: (laughs) What type of perks come along with being an XFL quarterback, at least in this area?
8: Yeah, I think like you said, you know, Texas in general, right, and Dallas in general, like they love their football, man. If you just walk, if you just drive around, you see some of these high school stadiums, you're like, golly, what is this? You know, me be from California, you don't see stuff like that. And yeah, you, you know, the biggest thing is, man, these guys love football. And you can see it in the fan base, right? We have about 15, 20,000 in our games. And mm. it's a good fan base. They love their football and they're passionate about it. And hopefully we can uh, win an XFL championship for them.
2: Right, do they run up on you? Like, do you can you go out to eat? Can you go to the Piccadilly normally? Or do people? Yeah, I mean, I've
8: been stopped once in a while, but it's right. not like I get bombarded or anything like that.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> i want to ask that because it's so crazy with your journey, being in the league, being everywhere you've been, you've seen what QB1 is. Yeah. Do you see that being in the future? Do you see that being in the future of XFL where you can? Be uncomfortable going out, like damn, I, these motherfuckers keep talking to
8: me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, shoot, you, you never know what can happen, but this is the first, well, second year, but you know, 2023 is the first, really, the first time where we're finishing a season. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see what it's really about, and shoot, we'll see what happens. You know, in the next couple of years, it might get like that. It might get a huge following. We might get you know, bigger, big time players, and. Who knows? Pay might get up. More players. I mean, who knows? You know, who knows where it can go from here?
2: And along the, the path of being QB1, we know that those Brady's and Manning's and them, like the organization asked them for input. At this infancy level of this league, do they come to you ever? Do they ever say, hey, have you seen this receiver from Texas or anything like that?
8: Uh, once in a while. Yeah. You know, they'll get some input. Hey, do you know this guy? You know anything about this guy? You know, stuff like that. Have you ever thrown with him? Um, I've had some dialogue with that for sure. You know what's
0: amazing about what you guys did in the semifinal is two of the stars, or the two stars of the game, you yourself and a wide receiver, weren't even on this team yeah. through the entire year, and now you you get to this point. And I just think that's an amazing testament to you continuing to work and to everyone in this league, the players continuing to have that passion and, and drive to fight because you don't know the circumstances all the time. You just know if my cleats are on on game day, I have to go out and perform. And I think that could be kind of the motto of this league. But for you, what's the true goal? You, first off, as you want to say, you're very well prepared. You know what I mean? Like you talk like a freaking quarterback, right? <laughs> it, it sounds like freaking leadership when it comes out of your mouth, but just the, the bottom line root of it all, not just the why, as in Fred says, but what is your goal? Is it, I just want to be here, want to be where my feet are and be the best I could possibly be for the Renegades? Or is it to one day be able to say, yeah, I worked my way and I grinded and I made myself an
8: NFL quarterback? You said it right there. That's the goal. The goal is to go and play in the NFL. I've never made an active roster. I've been on practice squad, but never made an active roster and in- Again, the goal is not an active roster. The goal is to be a starting quarterback in an organization, you know, and, and I've, I've had taste of that. I've been with Stafford. I've thrown with Drew Brees in the offseason. I've seen what greatness is like, and I'm close. You know, I'm, I'm very close, and I think the more I play in leagues like this, you know, it's a huge opportunity to go out there and play, right? Again, like I talked about practice squad, it's a lot harder to really get a rhythm. You know, live bullets is super. Changing protection, changing routes, you know, all those different things that you can do on game day, adjusting on the fly. You don't get that on, in practice squad, in practice, and, The goal is to win Super Bowls, multiple Super Bowls. I mean, it might sound funny, but I want to, shoot, I want to get more Super Bowls than Tom Brady. You know I mean? That's the goal. I mean, that's the intention. When you shoot for the the moon, right? I mean, you have to, you can't set yourself short on goals. You know, it might sound crazy to a lot of people, but if you truly believe it, why can't it be done?
2: You speak about that. Like your, I would say, I would say, what's your flaws? Because as I look back at my career, I'm not Ray Lewis. I wasn't Brian Erlacher. I asked for of money in my second deal, and they laughed
8: at me. It wasn't <laughs> did you say it like that? Did you tell your agent, I, ask
2: for of money? We took Brian Erlacher's contract, <laughs> whited his name out, and put my name on it, Sent it back to the Dolphins. <laughs> and I think they literally called us and started laughing on the phone. But, but I could see I wasn't a great coverage guy. I was a run stop. I was 255. And I couldn't, I couldn't do what Ray did. I couldn't do what Brian didn't do. Like, I, could, I could look at it now. Can you look at yourself now and see what's that that one thing, like you're saying, that one thing that could put you over the edge to becoming or for really fulfilling your dream?
8: Yeah, I think the biggest thing, if you just watch my game, I can't run like Lamar Jackson, right? I mean, that's that's evident, right? I'm more of a pocket passer. And if you start watching the game kind of evolving now, quarterbacks starting to become more mobile, right? It's starting to move around more, get a couple first downs here and there, get four or five yards here and there. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I'm gonna start implementing in my game, my workout off-season programs is like, hey, you know what, I'm not that paid manning Drew Brees. That that era is starting to kind of Drift away a little bit. And you have to kind of adapt, right? Whether that's who you are or not, you gotta adapt if you want to get to the NFL. So I think moving forward, that's simply or that's definitely something that I'm gonna imply in my game. Luis,
1: you're in the XFL. You're playing football, something you love. Uh, you're doing something that a lot of people would love to do. Even the owner of this entire league and Dwayne Rock Johnson. And you're only 28. Your aspirations are potentially to win as many rings as the GOAT, Tom Brady. He's played till he's 45. So you got a 17 year window and all of us here on the pivot, we're gonna support you and wish you the
8: best. Appreciate you guys. Yes, yes sir. thanks for having me on. Appreciate cool, you, you guys, yeah. Appreciate you Yeah. Sorry, man. Respect. Appreciate you. Right. All right. Best of most, love you. All right
0: yes, thanks sir. so much, sir. G Oh, no.
1: Red
4: I guy. had no
1: idea it was with you.
4: <laughs> oh my gosh. Look at all these guys. Oh my <laughs> god. god. How
1: are you
2: too, you.
9: Cope?
1: Cool. How Great are you
9: doing? Oh right. my gosh, you guys know way too many fucking
0: stories. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, you I told you way, I tell you were going to love it. I way some, man. <laughs> too many stories. Oh, my ah, gosh. First off, all, Coach, how you doing? How's your I'm family, man? How's the man? family?
9: Everybody good? Good. Everybody good. That's great. Modern Everybody good? Man.
0: Yep. 64,
1: Coach. You don't look a day up. you anymore. love this. Is that uh, you guys have kept me young,
9: and these guys here have too. And it's one of the most fun things I've done in a long time. And you know, we can talk about that, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to talk about. You guys know. Yeah,
0: I'm fired up. Listen, I was like, hey, look, if we're going to do this, I was like, Greg Williams is on, on top of my list. And so I was telling them, Coach, and I've tried to tell them the story that without you, truly, my career isn't what it became. And without you, I don't have an opportunity to be able to do this every day now in my post-career. Uh, I passed out at the first practice because for some reason you had us do forty up downs before <laughs> practice even even, 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 started. <laughs> even started. Wait We're a minute, to- what what else happened? No, coach, you keep saying
9: I pooped myself, coach. But, but do you you want to know why I know that? Guess who the equipment manager was that had to p- his son. No, no, my son yeah, had to go in true. and get you some new pants. That's not true,
0: Coach. Oh. I don't know why he's telling this story. <laughs> Shannon, that's not true. <laughs> this story ain't got good now. Nah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh. you, you
0: so <laughs> First, hey, on bro! I realized that's how i, I didn't, they didn't know I had sickle cell. Why would <laughs> you want me to <laughs> <I didn't> know? <laughs> you. you let oh. it go, RC. Uh, I don't remember it, uh, <laughs> Coach. Um, so, man, I just telling the story. I—I I, I go to work, bags packed. The night before, I'm sitting in the dorm. The first cuts, Washington come on the screen, and you know I'm sitting. I'm feeling good. You know the the first cuts. You're the last dude to get picked on the team, or you're the last dude to. But get brought into camp. You're watching the first day of cuts. My phone don't ring, Freddie i I'm like, oh, I'm good. I'm ready to go to practice. Last name, Ryan Clark. Man, so I pack my bags. I'm saying my goodbyes. I walk up to the office to tell G, thank you. Right. And he's highly, highly educated. One of the smartest men I know. He crosses his legs. You know, and you, you think <laughs> it's going to be one of those quiet conversations. He's like, Stupid motherfuckers! <laughs> yes. Because you've had just so many opportunities, man, to, to touch people and I'm obviously one of them. The the transition of you know going from NFL head coach, NFL defensive coordinator, interim head coach, to now being here and saying you're having fun again. What has that been like for you this year?
9: You know, Ryan, you know, those are great memories you just brought back. And that I've had the luxury now after 30-plus years in the NFL to have a chance to be around 2,500 NFL athletes, a lot college athletes, high school athletes too. But I think the thing that's the most special about all you all is that when we work so hard behind the scenes that nobody else sees how hard we work, we become a family. We become closer than other people have no idea how close we become. And as you guys have teased me about being a hard ass and, you know, being all kinds of other things, is, is that evidently I'm not as big a jerk as there is when I get over a thousand calls every year on Father's Day because we are family. And this group of young men here, just like you, that are looking for another opportunity to get a chance to get up to the level that all of you all have played at and coached at, you can't believe how special they are as pleasers. You know, they're hanging on every word. They're practicing so hard. They're doing so much work before they ever put their head on the pillow at night, before they get out a chance to audition in front of everybody else on how they play. And I think the thing that they love more than anywhere is that me, I say what I mean, I mean what I say. And if you don't play the way that we're going to play as a team with the effort, the toughness that we are going to play together, you're not going to play. And I have, I have no problems about mm-hmm. <laughs> come over here and stand by me and see if that underwear commercial is going to pay you for your endorsement by standing over here instead of being out there. Right. And then It's a fun event when everybody else sees, and especially you and all you guys, is when I go in to change the culture or establish the culture, at a new place, the top people that I discipline or talk to about how things are going to be are going to be the best players in the room. And then everybody else, they are going, "Mm, maybe this is the way we're all going to do it. And then they see that. And then anoint you guys as leaders in the room, and you guys have more of a voice and we have that voice here too. And it's been fun to see how it's taken a little bit longer for the player voice to come out Mm -hmm. in the meetings at this level because they don't wanna show you what they don't know Mm -hmm. until they open their mouth. But now you guys wanna come to any of the meetings and sit in the meetings, you'll see how the players are doing a ton of the coaching too. It's been fun that way.
1: Coach, we uh, we got 15 years on the book, spent some time down in Jacksonville. Like most players that call you on Father's Day every year, I've always admired the realness, the authenticity that you bring, and the life messages that you always share with the guys to keep it real, that approach. These guys here in the XFL on this level, what's that message, that, that life message that you share with them and as they try to journey work their asses off, and potentially make it to the NFL one I
9: appreciate day. you saying that because you know, you it hasn't that. changed as every meeting starts with a life quote and ends with a life quote mm-hmm. every single meeting that I have. And we still do joke current event every <laughs> single meeting that I have because when sometimes I'm a little acerbic, sometimes when I'm a little hard and people are feeling damaged or whatever, it's important to leave the meeting with a smile on your face and laughing and joking. And to this day, you know, I I still do this, one of the life quotes and the jokes like this, when you get up and you tell a joke at the end of the meeting, the players aren't gonna let you tell a bad joke, they're gonna make you go the next day, Mm -hmm. make you go the next day. So, what I do is, if you have to go two days in a row because the players are saying that's not good enough, or whatever it is because of our brotherhood, then I'll get them off the side for Ed. Okay, now listen, you go find this joke, and whatever the punchline is, you make it be about Greg Williams. <laughs> I'm going to snap and get hot, and we're going to see what goes on. All right? They get up there, fumble, bump, fumble around on the joke, no timing, no nothing, but the punchline's Greg Williams. What are you doing? And everybody comes up, (laughs) high fives, and yells. And it's another brotherhood moment because it's about life and family. And that's what we do. For sure. That's what we do.
2: And, Coach, just hearing them talk about you, seeing your name on the list and hearing the stories. I've heard these stories before about you. Talking to a bunch of guys that play for you. Everybody loves you. The authenticity, everybody just loves you, being in a room with you, calling you on Father's Day. That means I don't call none of my damn coaches. <laughs> well, I play for Nick Saban, coach. Yeah. You know you ain't calling oh, know, him no, on yeah, father's yeah, day.
4: yeah. yeah no, <laughs> I
6: know. Leave me yeah, alone. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey,
2: hey. <laughs> and Nick was walking out the door at the
9: Oilers when Glanville staff was leaving when I was walking in for my first opportunity to be in the National Football League. And to this day, we have that bond yeah. going on about he was walking out, I was walking in, and, and then... A lot of times, okay, he's come. A lot of brought the whole staff to places in the off season where I've been to clinic and listen and pick up new things and all that kind of stuff. So, but I know sometimes Nick can be a little hard. Yeah, you can put somebody hard, Coach.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but, but, Coach, I had to ask you: hearing their stories and seeing what the national narrative is about you is two different things. Mm-hmm. Does it get to you that the people you work with love you? But if you, if you say your name mm-hmm. to, a, to a random mm-hmm. football fan, they're not gonna speak about you in that way.
9: And you love this, is that uh, I like that question because I'm really comfortable who I am. I'm never dishonest. My family comes first biologically. My second family is the young men that I'm around every single second of every day. What the narrative is out there that other people have, it really doesn't bother me. It doesn't care because it shows me again as we all know, we're genetically capped, height, weight, speed, and IQ, intelligence. So a lot of those people maybe fall under the low-eye intelligence quotient.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm okay with saying that. Yeah. Channing, Coach G is the definition of a player's coach. Coach, uh, my former teammate, Reggie Barlow, the head coach of the DC Defenders, mm-hmm. uh, won coach of the year, the XFL but I'm sure you deserve as much credit uh, as Reggie does, and I'm sure you guys have a great relationship. Coach Stoops, we did him a bit earlier, and I have experience working with Coach Stoops playing down at Florida. I wanted to ask you this. Who's the best defensive coordinator in the XFL? Oh, there's a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Come on now. You've been humble today, Coach. Yeah, Yeah, there is
9: a lot of them, and you know what? Let's go back to another part you just said you know one of my uh goals personal goals was to make sure coach barlow was the coach of the year Mm -hmm. that was one of my personal goals Mm -hmm. i have a lot of respect for him as he has a lot of respect for us and you were on that same team that when we beat you three times in one year (laughs) and uh and wait a minute but 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 also five times in a row leading up to that (laughs) and I uh, still get hell to this day <laughs> about that team. You don't forget <laughs> 1999. I
1: know. Y'all kicked our ass. And we were. But the, the first
9: one was. down there was down to the
1: wire. And yeah. the next two were yeah. a little bit different. Yeah. So, oh, Steve McNair, man. Rest yeah. in peace. Rest man. in peace. And I believe if you guys didn't go and mm-hmm. you were this close to winning it with the Dyson stretch, Less, I th- believe we would have definitely I th- think, th- I, th- I think you would the have, too. But y'all had that secret yeah, side. I, th- I think you uh, would have, too. Oh,
9: yeah. And uh, that was a, a big game, and Reggie and I have stayed close because of that. Mm-hmm. And I think there's still a lot of memories for him when playing on certain things that we're doing. And right now, as he's enjoyed the factor that You know, as a head coach, you have to do so many things that nobody else sees you have to do. But one of the things that I let him know right on when he wanted the opportunity, wanted to give me this opportunity, was that I'll be the head coach of the defense. You don't have to worry about anything, okay? And And he doesn't. He doesn't have to worry about those factors behind the scenes. And he also doesn't have to worry about someone talking when he's talking because I shut up everybody in a hurry okay and it it took a couple of times when all of a sudden you know he stepped up in front of everybody getting ready to talk and there's some yip yapping going on and some you know i've got a a powerful voice that uh makes sure everybody understands the head coach is talking and then the culture gets established on how we go about doing things very quickly Mm -hmm. and inside the white lines it's about you guys as players when it comes game day as coaches we're doing everything we can to help you be better and better and better and better and better than you can ever be inside the white lines. And I think the other thing that you guys have started on with me talking is, one of the great things about these guys right here is almost every single player on the defense has come to me privately and said, I've never seen myself play this fast before. I've never seen myself play this good before. And I said, you know Why? Because everybody else, it's a buy-in. Everybody has to do that. You're competing with yourself to be the best you can be. And I've said this before. When players say, I want to be the best in the world that's ever done this, how about you? How about me just trying to be the best we can be today and then be the best we can be tomorrow? and be the best, the best, the best, the best, and let somebody else evaluate that some other time down the road. Yeah. Just like you said, other people evaluate I'm okay with whatever else they have to say. Mm-hmm. But when it comes time to end a game, I also don't mind looking at you. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. <Hey>. And uh, <laughs> sportsmanship's overrated.
0: That's the the other thing. and. <laughs> I thought about it when Channing mentioned what other people thought of you. In any opportunity I've ever gotten to speak of you since 2004, I've said the exact same thing. It was the first person in this league that was 100% honest with me about how they saw me and how I could be the best me I could possibly be. And we never had an issue because above even all of that, you're the most consistent human I know. When you walk into the building, I know exactly what I'm going to get every day, which is all I want from anybody, because now I know how to approach you. The negative things that have been said about you, or said about your teams, or the way you played, or different things, doesn't come down to the man you are. The man that is sometimes described seems like one that could be egotistical. One that could be extremely selfish. That's not the Greg Williams I know, but having been a head coach Mm -hmm. in the NFL, being one of the greatest defensive coordinators of our era, and then now coming over to the XFL, not even being a head coach, being a defensive coordinator in this league, how have you been able to adjust to being on a different level, but also the humility you've been able to show and saying, nah. When Reggie Barlow is talking, the head coach is talking, and everybody shuts up, including me. I think that you understood that as a
9: player too, that that's the same semblance that we have in a meeting. Is why would I interrupt you when you're asking me a question or asking a question or making a point in our meetings on how we're going to get get better? So you learn those things behind the scenes all the time, you know, and then. You know, I was a low-level quarterback. You know, I had to control the huddles and all that kind of stuff with bigger human beings and sometimes smarter human beings. You learn that every single day of your life. And the most important thing is, number one, what you both have said, all of you said, you got to check your ego at the door and you got to be humble. Around other warriors that I'm around, humble is one of the top things that everybody gets a chance to see me do because it makes them say, wow, I'm going to play them harder for him now. I'm going to even do that. And so we all have to do that. Ego is the most powerful narcotic in the world. And you think about some of the players you've been around. I think about some of the owners I've been around. Okay. And it was very easy for me to come do this when Reggie asked me to do it, is because I wanted to help another group of young men. And I've got four W's in, in career importance. And number one is who's it with? I've been around the lots of different people that don't get our profession and I'm tired of being around them, okay? Two, what's my job to make us great? Three, where is it at? Where am I gonna live? Where am I moving my biological family? And four, can we win? Can we win? Are we going to have the factors no matter at what level of competition will we have the ability to win? When those four Ws align, it's a pretty good profession. It's a pretty good job. It's a pretty good team chemistry. And I think Dwayne Johnson, Danny, Jerry Cardinale, everybody that's at the uh, XFL, you know, I researched all of them inside and out. And I tell you, too, it is that he didn't come to D.C., but Dwayne used to sit in my meetings a long time ago when he didn't have the opportunity to make a team, when he was making the decision to go into WWE. What people don't realize is that when he did that, he only had $7 in his pocket. And the life that he changed in himself and everybody else around him. This has been a really, really good opportunity to be around those kinds of people. And I do want to tell you all right now today, you brought a smile on my face too, because I keep checking to see what you're saying, what you're doing, how you're being. And, wait a minute. You said, what, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> Fred, what in the hell did you just say? Okay? and.
0: That's why we're family, and we'll be that way forever. Coach, how many times or how often are you asked about Sean Taylor? I'm
9: asked about it a lot, and I think
0: you know that there are... It
9: chokes me up, you know, and you know how close he and I was. Um, I was like another dad to him. But uh, I'm involved heavily in the new movie that is going to come out called The Safety. We're going to do a a really good deal on that. I've been involved with the family on those type of things but i think about him every day you know and and as you know when we were on the sideline when i'd be jumping in the middle of his ass about something too and uh the one thing that sean would always say to get me to finally click off hey i got it (laughs) get on to the next play (laughs) (laughs) and it would make me smile when he would say get on to the next play well i hear that almost daily so I know he looks down and says, hey, check it, buddy. Get on to the next play. And uh, I appreciate you asking about him because he does mean a lot to both of us.
2: And, and Coach, along that line of just you being an alpha male, and that's alpha with all capital letters mm-hmm. because <laughs> you you got something. But the adjustment to the game and the world for you, because you're old school. You've been 30 years, you're saying, 60, you know, 60-plus years old. And I remember back when I was playing, you were there, people, teams run running power plays 18 mm-hmm. times in a row. Yeah. They're going to check your oil early in the game to mm-hmm. see. And then now it's this wide open game. And also off the field, you can't say stuff like uh-huh. kill the head and the body dies. No, you can't. You can't say hat and hands. <laughs> are you telling them to put their head on somebody's chin? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of adjustment. Can't say it. But coach, you're adjusting to it. You're thriving yeah. through it. And you are the epitome of the other way. <laughs> the big <base. laughs> Hey, I'm talking. Poster boy. Oh, boy, that, that would, <laughs> coach, we, I would watch Hard Knocks just for your meeting, <laughs> and call my buddies and family in the room. This, this, this is how football players talk. This is how football players talk.
9: <laughs> well, coach, you, you've changed. And you love this, is that the vernacular has changed, but how we go about doing it inside the white lines is within whatever rule change there is. And one of the things that we say, and you ask any of the guys, is that we're going to live on the edge, we're going to play on the edge, but we're never going to hurt this team. So what's that mean? Well, there's now a strike zone that you have to contact in. There's now a certain way that you have to deal with quarterbacks in the pocket. There's now a certain way you have to deal. And you think about this when you played, a defenseless receiver. I tell Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, okay, Eli, Joe Montana, Steve, Steve Young, all the guys that we have had a chance to go against. You know what? You're the one who threw them into a big hit. Why did you throw the ball into that area? Okay, that happens to be the same spot that he's owning at this point in time. So when we go about doing all of those things is that I talk to him all the time is, uh, I will measure when we will measure every single tackle, legal tackle we make physical swarming tackle we make, still whack, smack, swarm, all that type of stuff is which way is the opponent facing? I don't Mm. say kill the head. I don't say the body dies, but I do want to see him facing a sideline or the goal line that he used to come from, (laughs) not to the one that he's getting ready to go to. And that the other thing too is, is that that's our goal line and you, had to live through this too. Is is that you know when I'm talking about short yardage defense or goal line defense? Is that we have our feet in knock back, so we're knocking the line of scrimmage back. And one of the things that the players continue to tease me about now is is that if your feet aren't neutral zone and further further, or if your feet is in the goal line on a run play, you may not be going to heaven.
2: <laughs> I, I love, coach. I get what you get with you the vernacular. Maybe going someplace. Else. <laughs> the
9: binocula. And so I said that one time in practice, and now they're all—they all say it. Yeah. And you know, what? and and you, they'll, they'll be pointing it out in the film. And I said that is legitimate knockback.
2: <laughs> That's how you go about doing it. Coach, I need help because I do coach, and they make fun of me. All I do is blitz and run cover zero. You got to play and uh, get off the pot. You know what mm, I'm that's saying? It. That's what I do, Coach. Mm. When I say spill and they just get inside, I want to say do it violently. Mm. You're not allowed to say the word violent anymore. Mm. Give me a word for violent so I won't get in trouble. Well,
9: I would say um, the one thing that we talk about, whether it be spill or force, is that we talk about, we say the word knockback. Knockback. So, you know, and that knockback term is it's not knock forward, it's knock back.
2: 30 years in it. <laughs> I got a ring now, hey, Coach. He, I got a ring. Hey, He's yeah, also know, just smarter too, than a lot of people,
0: too. too. Yeah. You're, you're not smart enough to even come to that conclusion yourself, but you are aware enough to ask somebody who can, and that is progress. I got a ring. <laughs> what kind of ring you got? State championship. As this the head coach of high Defensive <laughs> leg. Hey, Coach, it's, uh, <laughs> it's
1: fitting that you're the defensive coordinator for the D.C. Defenders. Yes. And uh, you guys got the league-leading best record, and I hope you guys are able to defend that this weekend in the championship game. I
9: appreciate you saying that, and you know that it doesn't make any difference what your record is, uh, whether you've played them before or not. It's what's going to happen that day, what's going to happen that play, and the preparation that you have leading into that contest is what's going to happen. And Things change, and you got to be able to do things and change on the moment. And I do believe players, you know, see me change and be in the moment with them as opposed to, you know, and I've said this before, and you were one of the very first ones that get this too. Do you realize, you know, how many coaches are in the league or at any level that are, I don't want to say nerdy, but. (laughs) nerdy, and call call off a script. You know what? And I can tell you only two or three coaches in my career that'll put that script down and look at me across on the other side of the field and say, this is different. Mm -hmm. I got a call through my gut. He knows what I'm doing. He knows I'm staying on a script. Mm -hmm. He knows that I have got hundreds of reports of what your scripts always are by how we evaluate it through analytics now and all that type of stuff. And the instincts part of what is needed during a game, players see that too. And uh, Fred Smoot still loves telling the story. When he came in screaming and hollering at halftime about
4: change what a
9: stupid shit <laughs> remember yeah. he was screaming and yelling yeah. and to this day he was at this last game and he was yelling that out on the field The <laughs> theory and i and i said i didn't even know he was there and it sounded like fred and he was sitting yeah, yeah. right behind the bench so the fact that you they see you guys as players and coaches too you got to be able to change because the fighting changes during the contest
2: <laughs> fighting changes
9: Appreciate you. Love you, all. Oh, 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 yes, sir. Like a son, yeah. Always. 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 <laughs> for sure. Okay. Awesome. And great. Yes, appreciate sir.
10: appreciate
9: you. Thank you, you guys too, too. And I love yes, what you guys are doing. Appreciate it, <laughs> Do coach. Honest.
10: <laughs> hey, how you doing? Doing great. I don't know how I follow up with Greg, but. You know, coach, you you, you get to this
0: point. Obviously, in D.C., you have this amazing year. You're you're 10-1. and 1. You're playing a team you've already beaten. They took you guys to overtime come back from 17 down, but their season has kind of switched. This is a 4-6 team. They blow out a team in the Roughnecks that had beaten them twice. How are y'all keeping your team from being too confident coming into this game when you've basically and essentially dominated the whole year besides the loss to Orlando?
10: Well, one, Coach Barlow never talks about the other team. We don't even mention their name. It's just another target. Offensively, it's never about anybody else. It's always about us. It's always about details, execution, and we preach it every day. The other thing, one of the reasons I love Coach Barlow so much is if you ever come to our practices, they're all the same. We're loose from day one. Mm. I mean, he's just a loose coach. I mean, he's detail-oriented. He's strict on it. and you know, He pays attention to detail. He sees everything. I think it's important to be that way. You know, I mean, you got to be hard on him. I mean, it's easy to be hard on him when you're coming off wins. Yeah. You can tighten down even more, but you still want to keep that looseness. You know, he was just asking me today how I thought practice went. I said, Coach, we, we're good. You know, we're good. I mean, we're loose. We're, we're keeping it. You know, so I, I think because of that, you know, I've been on teams that coaches and I had some great coaches I've worked with over the years a lot. But the guys that made it, this is the championship. This is it. We always we, – we, we didn't play well, you know. But when it, when it's just another game, it's the, and it's not just another game, but but it is. You know, it's, it's the next game. It's the difference for me from college to pros these guys they're pros you know they 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 know my wife said gosh you're looser than you ever been going i said you know what these guys are locked in more than i've ever seen i mean they've been locked in for two weeks they just they know what's at hand they know what's at hand you know but they've talked more smack against one another the last two weeks you know i mean i mean today they were really going at it you know but again then they go to the locker room and have fun together you know i mean it's just what it is competitiveness makes you better i mean you can't you know, you don't get better playing your sister. You get right. better playing somebody, you know. i get crushed against any one of you guys, you know, but that's who I'd want to play. Right. You know, so.
0: Well, Coach, his sisters used to beat him up, though. So, <laughs> yeah. so let's not. Yeah. You can't, you you can't bring no him
2: up. You know, <laughs> Dacia got a left hook.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Coach, you, uh, you spoke about the pivot from college to pros. And uh, you have, you and Coach Barlow, you guys have an extensive history going back to his alma mater, Alabama State, and coaching in uh, HBCUs. What's the difference in coaching that at HBCU and coaching these same type players here
10: in the XFL? I think the coaching aspect, honestly, I don't think I have a major advantage. So does Coach Barlow. Uh, people look at it as, oh, he hasn't been here. He hasn't done this. He had not It's football. A winner's a winner. And I mean, God's blessed me my whole life with winning, you know, with getting it done. Uh, so it just is, this is just a, another example of how great he is to me but the difference in black college that i am so grateful for you know here uh, there's a million examples but church we go to church we went in summer camp you go to four or five different churches every year with your summer camp well that means i'm going to Six mount zion and uh, baptist church in the south is different than in the north baptist church at a black church is different than a white church i've been in a united Methodist. i've been in church of christ i've been all of them when you go to church with somebody, you really get inner with them. You get to know them. It's different. I think when I've gotten to know all aspects and different aspects, God has prepared me to coach anybody. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you if it's certain solid Christians. No, you have to do it this way. You have to be this denomination. You have to, there's a reason why there's so many denominations out there because God wants everybody, you know, and, he, and, and they all learn differently. We all learn differently. Correct. My degrees in teaching. And I think I had to really learn and adapt because my world growing up and their world growing up was totally different. And I seen things from their perspective that appalled me, but it made me understand better. And uh, I've black, white, yellow, I don't care who it is. I can relate. I can get along. I can I can do that. Even an old skinny white guy. I mean, I know exactly <laughs> what's going on. You know. Now the music has changed, and I'll I'll never know what it is. I'm a 60, 70 guy. I was born in the fifties, but I think that has really blessed me to be able to relay when, they, when you can. Like, our first couple of weeks, I'm going to tell you something. I guarantee you, they were looking at me like, hold on now. And this team's got this guy to coach forever in the NFL. This team's got this one. This one's got Stoops. This one's got Phillips. This one's got, you know, Haslett. And we got, who's this guy, Kais? You know, I mean, they couldn't even know what my name, who it was. But then they started seeing, they started buying in, they started understanding, and off we go.
2: Coach, you coach a long time. What, what, what was that? If I put it as learning curve, but what was that difference when you got to this? I call it the new XFL.
10: Right. I mean, the defense is a little bit more complex, somewhat, but uh, I, I don't know. If it was. I'm still doing the same stuff, and they, they always say, you know, and I, my miss, this is my uh, my son. They keep saying, Dad, that college offense you got is really. It, it's giving them fits. It's give. Man, I mean. Any student of the game, you guys study the game all the time. I know because I see you, and, and you're, you're on point when you talk. So, I mean, if you look at Philadelphia, we're doing the same stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at, I mean, Coach Barlow and I are huge Andy Reid fans. My quarterback coach, Coach Harris, a huge Andy Reid fan. I don't, I don't know how many hours and tape I've broken down of Kansas City and Andy Reid and learning what he's doing and say, Oh, this, this, this is good. This, I mean, so we're. I don't it doesn't it doesn't offend me that they say I'm just I'm a college coach It's what I am I've never been in the NFL yeah it's football it's football you know yeah. oh, you're
2: gonna yeah. hit him with the ring around the rosy
10: <laughs> come you on know, coach give we, us something. we have talked about that a thousand times <laughs> that is so cool yeah. Yeah. No, no coach Geist
0: for you know you to mention that you're a college coach you're just a coach
10: I'm just crazy. Right. And,
0: and, yeah. and that's what football is about. This, this language is universal. Yep. And we all speak it the same way. Some of us just communicate it better. And that's the same thing uh, with life. You mentioned being an Andy, uh, Andy Reid fan, your quarterback being an Andy Reid fan. You have Jordan Taamu, who is the XFL offensive player yep. of the year. With what you've been able to accomplish offensively, what has this year been like for you coaching professionals offensively and in 2023 excelling in the way you guys have in DC?
10: I pray every day but whew, it's hard it's hard to imagine. I've got, excuse me. I pinch myself every day. I'm in heaven. I, I can't believe you know how good this has been. I mean this has been an amazing season. We have just knocked the lights out and and we really I get I't everybody because who I am. I'll start slowing that ball down and killing some clock early when I don't need to, you know, especially in the XFL, because incomplete passes don't mean nothing. Just an old habit. But you know, I, this, is, this, is, this is a dream job to me. This is amazing. I'm coaching football at the highest level. I, I, no offense. I expect it to be good. I expect it to be good. I've never not been good. Coach Barlow was the never not been good, and when you meet him and spend time with him, you're gonna say, "Boy, all the new assistants we have, because I have two that's been with me for a long time, our O-line coach, very important, and my quarterback coach. They all thought I was gonna be the quarterback coach. Coach you not know, saying not coach, only if we don't get him, but if we get him, mm-hmm, doing running back, it's the easiest position. I'll have more time the game plan. Mm-hmm. That's what my job is: to coordinate, not to be a dictator. Not No, not to coordinate all these ideas and all these outside-the-box guys. You know, I want these ideas. I want the ring around the Rosie. I want <laughs> the, the best call is the call they don't expect. That's the best call, you know. And, and I try to be, Greg McGillory gave me a couple of good compliments. He said, Coach, you're always on your toes. You're always doing this one. We thought this and that. And he said, but you're calm when you're up there. I'm calm because I've been doing it a long time. You know, was I nervous when I first started practice? Do I belong here? You yeah, know, I, I was nervous. But it didn't take long. It didn't take long. And when you've got guys like Jordan, we, we, we did our homework. We worked really hard to get the right players. And we saw a lot of them that were good. Coach loved Jordan. And uh, when I went and spent time with him, we went and spent time with a lot of them. Because I'm not going to take draft somebody if I don't get to know you. You, you know, not just the film. I, that ain't good enough. I want to know you. Uh, uh, man, I fell in love. I saw this coach. This is the guy, you know. And I said the same thing like two weeks before with D. Eric King. Yeah. I said, we get one of them, this offense is a perfect fit. So we get both we of get them, both. leave me alone. We're going to roll. Role. Coach, Coach Barlow is a
1: former teammate of mine in Jacksonville. Okay. And he's cool as a fan. And uh, as we were getting ready to do this in preparation, got to Google and look, you know, look up your stats and your history. And I saw your pronunciation, your last name, Fred Keis, And it says Kice pronounced like ice. How do you stay cool under pressure to make sure your offense is going to go out there and dominate
10: week in, week out. I believe in what we do. It's like studying for a test. You know, when you when you study so much, you go into that test confident. You know, I mean, we put the hours and we put the time in. If you walked in that X over there now, I got whiteboards everywhere that I put up. You know, and, and you're not going to see. There's no inch of room. I mean, it's it's all. Quarterbacks come in. You know, assistant coach Camelo come in. They're taking pictures so they can get in and study. But uh, I – I think when you believe in what you do, and when after a while, when you've been successful a lot, you just expect it. You know, it doesn't mean I'm doing like you know, when people say, you know, I, I, when when they have bad season, I'm the same coach now that I was five years ago. I'm not the same coach I was five years ago. I don't believe in that. I believe I'm a better coach today than I was the first game we played, and I'm gonna be a better coach next next year. I will. I used to go down there all the time. Kevin Gilbride is my mentor. Yeah, he's calling team. me every week. He said, Coach man, I wish I could be in San Antonio. Coach, I, you're killing him. You know, and he's he just always been, you know, I, I went down there a bunch of times and mm-hmm. uh, Pasquale, I used yep. to go meet with him It said originally I was a special team coordinator. Yep.
1: You guys were loaded. Yeah, we were. Oh, you were we loaded. Were. We just, had your, your D coordinator too, we had Greg Williams, Coach yep. Williams too, one yeah. of the time.
0: Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, Coach, we appreciate you. I, I didn't expect it to get emotional today, but I believe that's good to see for people to understand how much passion goes into this sport. But also, for how many people, this is their purpose. And you're led by God. And anybody who is led by God, those steps are ordained. And I think you were meant to be here, and it shows on the field. And I'm sure your players in the locker room feel the same way. Best of luck.
6: Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you.
0: Coach My had coach. me fired up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, seriously. Sure. Sure. I'm a hundred, not a handshake. Cool.
10: Yeah, right. Coach I'm had me
5: fired right. up, yeah. Coach. You bad motherfucker,
1: it. Coach, what's up? What's happening? That's what's how you going to come in here, man? <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> what's up, <bro>? Yeah!
6: <laughs> what's up, bro? We, we back, back in this right? thing. Yeah, I'm good. Congratulations. What got you? You got a cheap sheet I mean, you know, whatever it is. just Tom Coughlin. Because another new on set. I know, right? Am I sitting right here? Yes, sir. Another new on set.
2: Say something now. I say it every time. Y'all are some prideful human beings. Prideful?
6: (laughs) Achievements.
2: In every field of human endeavor. I I, didn't disrespect I'm talking about y'all's pride. Y'all are very proud of y'all's
0: new coach. Coach, he always
6: disrespected. I wouldn't not go for that and say we're prideful. There are some other fraternities that are, but. Mm
1: I, I just was telling Coach um, Kais like Ice that you was cooler as a fan. You still
6: cool as hell, Coach. Try to be, man. I try to that's be. That's that nuke. Yeah. Ah, that's probably what it is. Maybe, <laughs> right? It may be that, man. How y'all been making it in uh, Arlington? Chilling. Y'all been here for a few days. Nah, Coach. We came in just for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. they said it, they right? said you got the Coach of the Year. Yeah, we said let's
0: go. But you've been highly successful before now. And when we talked to Dwayne early on in the week, he just talked about the opportunity that he wanted to provide. You didn't need another opportunity to be successful because you had done that. You've been the coach of the year before, but to come now and be on the professional level and excel the way that you have as the head coach of the DC Defenders, what has this year been like for you making that transition?
6: Yeah, well, I'm extremely humble and blessed by uh, Dwayne and ownership and Russ Brand and Brandon and uh, all the people that gave me an opportunity to be here, right? Mark Ross and all those guys and uh, just being able to come and show your stuff, man. There's a lot of really good coaches that are all over the world, right? HBCU, I'm an HBCU product as a player, as a coach, and uh, getting this platform, uh, this opportunity to come uh, and Selecting, right? We started from zero and that's the interesting thing about what makes this different than when I was a college coach, right? You had the team and you said, ah, we need to sprinkle in a running back or we need a DN or two and, you know, so um, being able to uh, just build a team and all that stuff has been really good and extremely humble and thankful for this opportunity. But you guys know, man, to have an opportunity to win any award, you got to populate yourself with good people. And it's really the people that we're associated with uh, with the D.C. Defenders, our, our director player personnel, Von Hutchins, Miss Stacy Johnson, uh, director team operations. Uh, you guys talked to Kais and, and and Greg. I mean, two extremely different people, right? <laughs> How about managing those two? But, uh, yeah, extremely <laughs> humble and blessed to have this opportunity.
1: Coach, you're talking about, you, you mentioned starting from zero. Yeah. Uh, it just reminded me of when I used to have the block for you doing punt <laughs> return yeah. back in Jacksonville. Uh, how, do you, um, how do you get the focus of your player? You know, a lot of these guys are coming in looking for an opportunity to potentially try to go fulfill their dream of either making it back to the NFL or just getting a taste of the NFL. How do you keep them focused on what you guys are doing and not looking so far ahead?
6: Well, one of the things that we had to make sure we did was we had to earn a trust. All right, we had to earn a trust. And we had to let them know that we care about them and get to the next level. Uh, there was a hockey player, Yagir, number 68. He wore the number 68 um, because Jagger. his... Uh, yeah. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Because his, his granddad had died and uh, Revolution. And they asked him why he do what he do. right And he said, I wear the number 68 because of my granddad. So along with trust, we found out, what's your 68? Who is it that you do this for? And why do you do it? Right. And, that was an emotional conversation because we got it from everybody, every coach, every player, support staff. And just to hear that, to be able to know, like, this is why you do this. And when they do get distracted on self or something that's not team, then we can say, well, according to you, you're 68, this is why you do this, and that's where your focus should be. So um, we've, we've been able to do that. I tell you, when we first got here, you're talking about, a bunch of guys trying to make the team, right? So there was a lot of individualism, right? And you're like, man, it's when would this ever stop? But I get it, I understand that they were trying to make a team, and it wasn't about the team at that point. It was about me as a person making a team. And you know, once we, you know, trim the fat a little bit, pick some guys, and they were like, hey, you're gonna be on this team, that's when you can start to see them starting to care about each other practicing with practice etiquette, taking care of each other and all that stuff. And uh, that's really what it went, but I think it started with trust, earning their trust, mm-hmm. and then earning and learning like who they care about the most and why they do what they do.
1: You, you, you mentioned what's your 68. We had another coach on here, extremely successful at the HBCU level. And he pivoted and went to Colorado. Right. And uh, you,
0: Extremely successful. <laughs> what you beating out of this <laughs> for? Can,
1: can, can, can I form my question? I'm, trying, I'm learning from Colorado. this guy. Right, right, right. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Prime. Everybody knows it's prime. We all know it's prime. Uh, Coach Prime, she got the hoodie on. Um, <laughs> Coach and, Prime, we love him. Right, Coach we prime. love him to death. And extremely, as extremely successful as you've been on this level, what's the end goal for you? Because we we tend to say players are looking to. Get to the next level, but I'm sure a lot of coaches aspire to go and coach in the NFL. What, what's what's the end goal for you? What's your pivot?
6: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, having the opportunity to go and uh, hear me when I say this, be a head coach in the NFL, right? Like, I'll I'll be a coach position coach, but you know, I've been blessed with the ability to connect and lead uh, men and uh, surround myself with the right people to be successful at that. So yeah, I'd love to be a head coach. And the nfl i think this experience has really um you know added to the other stuff that we've done on the college level and all that stuff uh that kind of shows that you know you can manage pros right mm-hmm. you can form a staff and you can do all those things that it takes um to be a head coach so uh that would be that would be the ideal situation for me and it's similar to us like players right i, I played at hbcu and i was like man it, it didn't matter right i I want to see how I measure up against the guys at Florida. Right. I want to see how I measure up against these guys at Georgia. And now you get to the NFL, you get a chance to see how you measure up. And it's the same way. But this experience that you're coaching against other pro guys, got to have done it for a long time in this league. So uh, uh, but yeah, uh, that that would be the ideal goal.
2: And you the big dog. How do you approach being the big dog? You're 10-1, you coach of the year, you got players winning awards. Like, are you embracing that? Like, we the big dog, let's go
6: out here, whoop some ass? Or do you kind of try to temper and say, hey, this is a team too, they're here with us as well? Yeah, so so um, as, as you may know or may not know, um, we open just about every one of our meetings with Tim McGraw, humble and kind. And that's who we are, it's what happens with these awards what happened in the last game what happened we don't we, we don't care about any of that it's it's we'll celebrate it later we'll appreciate it you'll get pat on your back but every day and they hear it they sing it they do it. it's tim mcgraw we're going to be humble and kind we understand who we are and where we are and we've earned that right mm-hmm. we've earned that but we respect our opponents we the opponent that we're playing got an amazing head coach and a hall of fame head coach and bob mm-hmm. stoops and we got the utmost respect for him but um, our team will continue to be humble and kind, and uh, we're going to continue to do the work. And they understand that. They understand that. And our coaches do a good job of Paul revering my message, right? The message that I talk to them about in staff meetings, and the messages that I give to our team, you know, is not enough. They Paul Revere it throughout the week to their players. So, uh, uh, so you know, it's humble and kind, and we'll just go do the work.
0: Well, I played for G Dub, kind. God was bless never- you. Kind was never the word (laughs) I'd use for Greg Williams. But with having the success you've had this year and me just continuing to see your name brought up and continuing to say that the XFL, its purpose was for coaches like you. The purpose is for players like you. Uh, What are you hoping can be showcased in the championship between your D.C. defenders and the Arlington renegades that makes people feel that those players and those coaches are elite pro level. Those players and coaches are people we should support. Those players and coaches are people that should get more opportunities.
6: Yeah, that's a great question, Ryan. All they got to do is uh, look at the product, right? If you've watched any of these games, uh, you're talking about some young men that compete at a high level. Uh, many of them have already had a taste of the NFL, but, you know, might not have stuck, right? And then there are some that play for a long time. DJ Swearingen, I mean, he's yep. played in the league a long time, which we're happy to have him. But um, but you have some coaches, some amazing coaches. Coach Bob Stoops, man, I don't care if it's Pee Wee. I don't care if it's the NFL. The guy can flat out coach, mm-hmm. right? And the guys that he have on his staff have been um, coaches in the NFL, and they've shown that. Our staff is a little bit different, right? And That was purposely done. We wanted a mix of HBCU guys, young guys, older guys, NFL experience. Um, But if the fans turn it on and they see uh, a Jordan Tammu, a guy that's completing the the ball at an extremely high percentage, was a great player, Abram Smith, all right, Uh, Devin Bellamy. I mean, we have guys um, that deserve an opportunity um, to play on the next level. They've earned that and they've displayed that with their play throughout the season. So we're pulling for them and, uh, we're grateful for all the fans that have watched us this far. Now, if y'all ever came to a game in D.C., man, we got this thing called a beer snake, and our fans they go wild, man. Super so it's a good time.
1: Yeah. 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 Coach, you uh, really quick. You uh, <clears throat> through our DMs, you mentioned when you lost to the Orlando Guardians, they acted like they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. And you're about to face a team that's five and six. You're ten and one. Yeah. And this is your version of the Super Bowl. What What's the lesson in losing to the the Guardians? that you you give your team going forward as you prepare for this championship
6: game? Well, just yesterday, we talked about um, the team that we were when we played them. We're not that team. And guess what? They're not either. Mm-hmm. All right? Um, when we played Seattle, everybody was talking about how it's so hard to beat a team three times in a season. <laughs> well, we know something about that. The Titans Coach beat us. <laughs> us. He reminded right? us. So— so it's like, yeah, I know all about that, but um, it's it's keep the main thing the main thing. Stay focused on the task at hand. Respect these guys. Be humble and kind. Let's approach the game the way that we know how to approach it. Buy into the details of the game plan and then just go out and be you, all Right? That's why they all was brought here. It wasn't for, all right the easy game. It was for these championship opportunities. Go out, perform at a high level, and uh, I believe they're going to do that. Well, I'm going to say this, Coach. Your um, your coaching staff, your
0: philosophies, uh, they're definitely very oxymoronic. You got Coach Kise and Greg Williams, yeah. two humans that couldn't be more different if you tried to put them <laughs> right. on the same staff. Uh, Coach Kise was talking about going to Mount Pilgrim of the first Baptist, of the Southern Methodist <laughs> yeah. on top of the hill, yeah. and now you're talking about being humble and kind from Tim McGraw. Right on. So, at the least I can say there's a lot of diversity going on in the locker room in yeah. D.C., but it's also been a lot of winning and a lot of success. Right. Uh, thank you for taking your time, and it's been awesome to see you truly get the flowers you deserve as Appreciate not only that. being a, a great football coach but a leader of men, and that's what head coaches are.
6: I appreciate it, man. Thank y'all for having us on. It's been fun. We are fans of you guys, and uh, you guys do a great job. You guys are necessary. You know, I love necessary people, right, and necessary things. And you guys, you guys and the conversations that y'all have with y'all guests is, is extremely necessary. So thank y'all.
0: Appreciate you. I'm going to show him that video up top. Well,
6: love you, bro. I love you, bro. Appreciate you, man. You know
0: you weren't blocking on no returns. Oh, I got it. I I sent it to him about a year. Yeah. You know you got in trouble.
6: Appreciate you all.
0: Block, you got to take a picture. I was right on Let's do it. You know what? I knew he was somebody when he walked through the set. Hey, because you know, most people, Russ was up there. Russ was walking through. You know, most people, they see you filming. And you like, I gave him the look. He did. He and gave the, me the look. I gave him the look like, is he going to stop? And he was I like, I thought you were off, man. He was, I mean, <laughs> sorry, right. he was like, man, I'm the president. <laughs> like, what you going to do to me? That was the look he gives people. <laughs> yeah. You don't get no, that look back, my man. <laughs> Russ, man, you, you know, you guys have had a truly an amazing year. And uh, the undertaking was definitely daunting and difficult from the start because you and Dwayne and Danny, you aren't the first to try to do it. You aren't the first to try to make the XFL stick, make the XFL become something that people tune into, but you found a way to do that. What has this this year been like for you, and what have you learned about trying to make the XFL and some of its players and coaches household names?
11: I'll tell you, it's been, you said the word, it was daunting, you know, and it's been a couple years in the making, putting this all together um let me first say too honored to be on here with you guys man
3: like thank you honor
11: I've been I was in the NFL a long time and I'm getting so old I I think I was working when you guys all came out so (laughs) uh,
1: yeah we we got a little bit of history
0: Russ not you You and I yeah we got some Russ you were not you were not working when Fred came out no 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 I you babysat Russ when he was a kid
1: Listen. (laughs) listen man all right first of all is that is that the Marlins? Yes. World yeah. Championship! Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations! Yeah. I usually have on my Marlins hat, but today was a pivot day, so yeah, I, I had it. to rock the pivot hat. But yeah, the, uh, the the Bills, and I get it a lot from from the fans. They said that you guys should have drafted me with that ninth pick in '98. When
11: Damn you right. started with the Bills. That's when I started, yeah, 1997. Yeah, right, right, Absolutely.
0: No, no, that would have been great, man. It would have <laughs> been fun, I'm sure. I'm sure it would have been fun. <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to get over that mistake, Russ. But, you know, you were just mentioning that it was daunting in trying to accomplish something that has been elusive for those who have tried to make the XFL something that stick. What have you guys been able to do that's maybe a little different off the beaten path of that that has allowed you guys to be at this point? Well, you know, I think
11: we hired great people. And not only on the football side, but on the business side. You know, one of the first things when I came on board, Jerry Cardinal, who's the managing partner of Redbird, who's a big part of this, obviously. I knew Jerry from my Bills days when Ralph Wilson passed away. um, Jerry and I were talking about the sale of the franchise back then. So I've known Jerry for years. And everything he touches turns to gold everything that he, he everything he is, is about is first class so then i met danny and dj and the vision of what they wanted to do and how they wanted to put together they've really allowed us to bring in some incredible people and it started with the coaches you know obviously you just had barlow in here and, and coach Barlow's done an amazing job and you know the bob stoops is the world and in and the wade phillips and, and on and on they were able to attract not only at the head head coaching side but the coordinator side and watching the development of our players all year. That's what I think I'm most proud of, to be honest with you guys, is to see the product that we've been able to put on the field, along with rules, innovations, all the different things that we've been able to achieve. But the play has been outstanding. Yeah. And it just all came together. You know, I, I was talking to a former NFL exec who's pretty salty, you know, on the day-to-day basis. And he said to me the other day, he goes, I, I never expected the product to be at the level that it was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then you see all these guys come together in the championship game. Um, there's a lot. I call it eight spinning plates a day. You know, no one cares about logistics. We've all been on charters and team planes and hotels and all the different things. We had eight teams every single day at once okay. moving around this community. And Arlington did an amazing job as our hub city. But we want everything to be first class, give the players the best opportunity to succeed, but we also wanted to see people—we've got referees going back to the NFL or going to the NFL. I think we have three nice. that are graduating. We've had 80-plus players that are get NFL tryouts. That's why we built the calendar the way we did. Everything was about the athlete, giving them the best opportunity. If their goal is to get back to the league, to have that seamless transition. Because as you guys know— not only, Hines says this to me all the time, it's not only the physical side, but it's the mental side to give them the opportunity to make a roster. Mm-hmm. So that's why we built the, the calendar the way we
1: did. We uh, we recently had uh, Dwayne on our show, Pivot, and uh, he spoke about the relationships, going to speak with Roger Goodell in the NFL, you know, and, and, and letting them understand that it's not about competition, right? right. And uh, speaking about those relationships, you're talking about the structure, you know, having this great calendar. Um, I want to I wanna ask you to speak about your partners, your partnerships, like the Under Armour, what DJ has with uh, Project X, you know, his, his line with Oak. Your partners, what's that dynamic and relationship like, and how, how uh, uh, does it benefit you guys' league and the players? Well, I'll tell you, you, great point there. I think
11: it was October 1st of 21, we met with Commissioner Goodell Danny, DJ, myself, Jerry, and we just laid in Troy Vincent and uh, Kevin Booth. And we just sort of laid out the vision of what we want this league to be. And it was an intersection of opportunity for not only the players on the field, but the players, uh, everyone that's associated with the XFL. Um, really proud of that association with the NFL. We work closely with, uh, with Troy and the Legends community when we went through coaching searches. We worked closely with Fritz Pollard Association alliance when we went through that as well so the nfl partnership and relationship you know a lot of us have very deep ties in the nfl so that was that was dean Blandino's done an amazing job but the partners the, the cornerstone partners that you mentioned under armor mm-hmm. complete rebrand of everything we did i think our uniforms are amazing yeah. in that time and effort that they put into that one of your employers disney i mean what espn has done and how they've leaned in from from Burke Magnus on the way down with their organization and Jimmy, how they have uh, partnered with us, and they've taken so much pride in the command center, the coach-to-player communication, the enhanced audio. It gives the transparent look to the game and how the communication actually works, which you guys all know. But people love to see that behind the scenes. So all of those relationships have been amazing. You know, Project Rock uh, and, and part of the Under Armour family. Right. All of our partners from Westgate Resorts to Zoa to Terramana um, and on and on, that's what makes this league grow. And that's what we'll be focused on in the offseason continue. Now that we have the proof of concept, and people said, Oh, they're they're coming back. This is the real thing. Our social media engagement through the roof. Yeah. Our digital platforms, our ratings have been excellent. So now that we have that proof proof of concept, I always used to say in the NFL, the season's routine, the offseason's when you make your hay. Mm-hmm. So our offseason starts on Monday. Right. And that's what we'll be focused on.
2: And you you brought up years in the making. When we talked to DJ, he was speaking of buying in 2020. And this was the first year of actual play. What decisions were made there? And I want to ask about the hub, the hub thought. Like when I first heard the hub thought. Like the bubble. I'm, yeah. <laughs> not, like, it was, what was that effect? You know, did COVID affect that hub thought? Was that always a thought from the beginning? Like, how did that come about? I'll tell
11: you how it came about. I, when I came on board, the first thing I did was I went and I looked at every facility in the previous iteration of XFL 2020. And no fault of anyone's. But they went a traditional model. And it's hard to duplicate LSU, all the places that we, you know, we've yeah. been. And you go, how can we give the athlete the best experience? These facilities don't work, in my, in, in my humble opinion. So we came up with the hub concept. We went all over the country and looked at where can we give the athlete the best chance to succeed and give them the most like experience when it came to health and safety, nutrition, performance, science, everything along those lines that we're all accustomed to. Mm -hmm. And we landed here in Arlington. I, we had a very good relationship with Sean Decker, who's the president of Rev. Entertainment and the Rangers. And he said, yeah, we can make this work unbelievable relationship with athletic directors, Philip O'Neill, who was our lead guy at Mansfield ISD and we're at Mansfield, Northwest South Lake Carroll, right? These facilities, as you guys know, they're nicer than the most division one double a facilities. So it gave the athlete the best chance to succeed. Um, as I like talk about the eight spinning plates every morning, coming out of your hotel, doing your team meetings, everything um, getting to the facilities, buses, you know, it's, Planes, trains, and automobiles. But for us, that's what we were so excited about for the athlete. We've had great response to that. Um, it was... I, I was a nervous wreck, to be honest with you, because you've got 700 people in one area and so many logistical moving parts. And I will say, when I look at the scorecard at the end of the year, that was an A for us. You know, how cool.
0: it you can lie to a lot of people. You can't lie to the people that know. Right. Right? Like, you can... You could kind of trick the fans, pull a wool over their eyes. You could trick some people on TV, but players and coaches, you can't trick them. You mentioned Heinz Ward, who was a teammate of mine, who I believe should be in the Hall of Fame. You can't trick Heinz into thinking that this could be quality football. A guy like DJ Swearinger, who we've been watching, trying to work himself back into the league, getting to a point where he saw enough of the XFL where he said, you know what? I can go play in that league. A uh, Josh Gordon, who led the league in receiving in his heyday, he was a first-team All-Pro wide receiver. You're getting all of freaking Greg Williams, <laughs> right? Head coach of the Bills yeah, and been a Super Bowl champion. Just all of these different names who really know what high-quality football is supposed to look like, what it's supposed to feel like. I mean, shoot, what it's supposed to taste like. Right. How have you guys been able to build an environment and the atmosphere where the football people buy in?
11: RC, you couldn't say it better. Like, that was what I was so focused on in the beginning in our team. You know, we've got Mark Ross on our football side, who's the AGM with the Giants for many years and the youngest scouting director in NFL history. Doug Whaley, our former GM in Buffalo. It was it was Pittsburgh when I Pittsburgh, got here? Pittsburgh, right. Yeah. Everyone on our football side has been there, done that. Then it started with the coaches in attracting some. You couldn't bring up a better guy than Hines. You can't fool Hines. Yeah. We said we're going to build this culture from the top down when it came to our coaches. Our director of player personnel, Vaughn, who was just yeah. in here with you. Everyone, We've got former NFL general managers on the team side. Rick and Randy Mueller, to be exact, and a couple of those guys. I think people saw and they said, listen, these guys aren't fooling around. Like They're going at this the right way because you said it. In our industry, you can't fool the guys on the field or a track. Philip Lindsay comes over, yep. same thing, mid year and goes, you know what? I want to ball out a little bit more. Man, they're really doing something well over there. So I think it started and it stopped and started with attracting the coaches that we were trying to bring in and then bringing in the people around them. I mean, we've got, you mentioned Greg. You know, Barlow did an amazing job by bringing Greg in. He's been there, done that. And it's across the board in this league. When you look at some of the coordinators Wade, Wade. you know wade was my first coach in buffalo after marv and i called i called wade i said hey man you in he goes
2: yeah i'm in
11: and the thing that has been probably as stunning to me as anything is that the competition between the coaches and the staffs is no different than what we're all used to at the nfl Mm -hmm. and I've been really, really impressed with how the passion these guys have put and energy they put into it.
1: Russ, you talk about proof of concept and how the logistics of the uh, XFL work and how you were were on the edge, you know. (laughs) Um, Proof of concept. Is there anything that the XFL does? There are some subtle rule changes here that you think we might see in the NFL someday? You know, I... I think the fourth and
11: fifteen, you know, the onside alternative is something they, they they've looked at. I know we've talked with Troy often about being a little bit of a beta on some rules as we look for. As you guys know, I said in 20 plus years of owners' meetings. There are a lot of great concepts that the coaches bring up, and some of them hit the cutting room floor, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, we can be a little bit of an incubator in some of this working with Dean and our coaches and look at some different things. You know, Coach Belichick for years always brought up the opportunity to challenge one call on the field. And it's always gained momentum, but we instituted the golden challenge there. And I think that's, I think at at some point you'll see that in the NFL as well.
0: What y'all have done is is really amazing. And I think there were so many doubters and, and naysayers because it's one thing for something to be a new idea and you have to convince people. It's another thing for it to be a twice failed idea and you have to convince people. But you, along with Dwayne and Danny, y'all have done just an amazing job of making this not only a product and concept that people can see working. A product and concept that is working. So, congrats to you guys on all the success, and I hope that the championship game is amazing and it's another showcase of what you guys have built over here in XFL. Yeah,
11: we appreciate it and honored to be on with you guys. As I mentioned, uh, yeah, we're gonna we're already focused on 2024 and 25 and seeing how we can. There's a lot of learnings that we took from this year. Um, but we're ready to go. We're going to have a great championship in San Antonio on Saturday night and then hit the ground running on Monday.
0: Man, sounds good. Wow. Good that was awesome, good man. Yeah. <laughs> good, brother. Hey, bro, do bro, you know how mad you would be if somebody got a fourth and 15 on <laughs> to get the ball? Oh, home. my goodness. Appreciate it, man. i gonna meet you, baby. Yeah, That's yes, sir. Good,
2: boss, man.
1: That's
0: good. Right. Troy, what's up, man? Pleasure, man. Yes, sir. So, us go, bro. that, man. Bro, first off, uh, congrats yeah. on not only an amazing season, but being Offensive Player of the Year. Yeah. I think... Anytime, I mean, you've had success before, but having success like this on a professional level is huge to prove that you can do it. We yeah. talked to Coach Kais earlier, and he said, you know, he wanted to get to know the quarterbacks. He wanted yeah. to have a guy who he felt like could lead them. And he mm-hmm. said, you know, you as the person, you as the player would be able to do that. You guys are 10-1 right now, largely yeah. because of the way that you performed on offense, having a leader like you, you're... Top three in all of the statistical categories, but mm-hmm. for someone who has a passion for the game, what has this year been like to you? For you to finally achieve some of the success you've been searching for since leaving Ole Miss.
7: Yeah, I mean it's been awesome. Just uh, you know, you know, from the off season to where we're at now in the postseason, um, you know, just getting the getting closer with with the guys and then with the coaches, and I felt like it all started, in, you know, in training camp with us. Um, You know, I was with another league last year. I knew I wanted to do this league. And Coach Keis was one of the first coaches who reached out to me. He said, you're my guy. You're the guy I want, Uh, I want you to lead this team. And you know, that gave me confidence going into this year, knowing that like, all right, let's do this. Like I deserve to be here. I deserve to, you know, be a leader of this team. And as soon as I started playing, you know, the guy started leading, started following. So uh, to have this spotlight, to have everything that I've worked so hard for feels amazing. All glory to God. Um, I've been praying about it uh, since day one. I knew one day I was gonna just trust the process and I knew it was gonna come and uh, here it is.
2: And being QB1, man, yeah. it, how difficult is it to, to I gain respect, but like mm-hmm. some of these dudes are older, some guys are younger, some guys will, you know, watch you as grown men when you playing in college and right. now you come in the locker room or come in the huddle and tell them y'all, I gotta tighten y'all last up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what, what was it like with, uh, you know, the new XFL yeah. and walking as QB1 knowing Everybody's looking at you. You're the leader. You're the quarterback.
7: Yeah, I mean, just like anywhere else, uh, you know, you walk in the building and you got to have confidence. And once you got confidence, once you walk in there, knowing that you're gonna be that leader, everyone starts being like, "Oh, that's the guy. Like that's that's who QB1 is. And like that's who I want to that's who I want to follow. So you just gotta walk in the room and kind of kind of like not demand things, but you know, gain gain their respect. And once you gain their respect, and like I get theirs attention, you know, it, it goes kind of goes both ways. So. I'm the type of guy to, like, go in there and, you know, kind of show my talents on the field. I'm not rah-rah, I'm not yelling, I'm not doing any of that, but I'm just kind of like, if I, if I want to yell at somebody, I'm going to push them to the side and be like, hey, like, maybe do this route, or maybe do this, you know, kind of talk yeah. to them one-on-one, and that's the kind of guy I am. So, uh, you know, just going in there, I mean, I felt like the guys, you know, took me underneath their wing, and they're like, especially the older guys, and they're like, hey, like, let's lead us, you know what to do, just play your game, and kind of made me feel good.
1: Jordan, R.C. mentioned you're the XFL Offensive Player of the Year. Over at the USFL, you were the Mm -hmm. passing leader and the touchdown leader as well. So you're not a fluke. Yeah. But you're talking about the process, right, and trusting the process. What's your mindset in that?
7: Yeah, just, uh, you know, my mindset's always been to, you know, keep my head down and just grind. You know, I've always, you know, been overlooked, you know, my whole life. Uh, Just like my story, my journey, everywhere, just coming from a small island. Um, in Hawaii and um, just kind of get overlooked by all these other, you know, quarterbacks or players. So just kind of putting my head down, grinding and, you know, trusting God, trusting the process, you know, all my supporters out there that, you know, they know I can play ball, they know I can, I'm smart enough to do it, they know I can do it. So uh, just having all that, you know, people behind me, guiding me through it and trusting in me uh, meant a lot. I mean, I wouldn't be here without them, my parents as well. yeah, they installed it in me the since day one. A
1: lot of my uh, former teammates uh, from Samoa yeah. in uh, Hawaii, and uh, the, the way they work their attitude and passion, you know, towards the game of football is, is like none that you'll see from, you know, guys from other places. I mean, you guys really, you, you, you put your head down, you just come to work, right? you just play hard as you can. And, uh, you know, Dwayne Johnson,
4: mm-hmm.
1: he has a certain passion for football. You know, obviously, he didn't make it uh, to where he would have loved to. But um, do you draw any inspiration from from Dwayne being the owner of the uh, XFL?
7: Yeah, I mean, when I first heard that he was going to be like the co-owner of this league, that got me excited, Um, you know, because I've always looked up to him. Always, you know, wanted to follow his dreams or kind of follow my own dream the way he followed his dream. And I wanted to, you know, be that another Polynesian that other kids look up to growing up and. That's just so good about our culture is that we kind of look at each other like family like he's like an uncle to me just because you know i don't talk to him a lot but that's just like how the polynesian culture is that you know everywhere we go we have family all over the place and we're going to support each other and i just felt like that's how it was and he just played like a big role in me like wanting to pursue my dreams and doing all that so uh, a lot of kids feel the same way you know you guys are 10-1 and and it's been a lot of rainbows and butterflies and sunshine
0: and a lot of good things are going on. You're also the only team to lose to Orlando, <laughs> yeah. right? And so as, as being a leader, and now seeing your team and yourself in the championship, yeah. take me back to that moment. Because let's be honest, bro, like when the team stink, you know it, Yeah. right? Like when the team's sorry as hell, we all talk about it. You talk about it during the week, you preparing, but you're like, man, these boys are sorry as hell. And then they beat you guys. Yeah, And you had been so successful and been so successful afterwards. As a leader, what did you take from that moment that has helped you and helped your team get to the championship?
7: Yeah, I mean, that Orlando week, um, you know, a lot of guys knew it was going to be an easy win, you say. But, uh, you know, as an offense, I felt like we, you know, clicked and different areas that we didn't click before. So it kind of helped us going into the next week. Um, you know, we could have finished the game off, uh, you know, missed, overthrew one of our one of our great receivers, Lucky Jackson, like the last two minutes. So... Um, definitely we learned a lot from that, and I'm glad we lost then. They're like, I'm, I'm glad we lost now instead of, you know, in the pro season. So, like, let's just get this loss under underneath our, you know, in the, in the back, uh, just wash away, whatever, and uh, let's go next week, learn from this mistakes, our details, and that's what's great about our team. Like, each week I felt like we got better. Each week I felt like we learned from our past mistakes, and uh, just not us, uh, even the coaches as well. So I just felt like as a team, as a unit, we're just going to keep getting better each week.
6: Bro, you
2: kill it with the women?
7: Always, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 I'll
2: let you talk for a second. I love the football questions. Yeah, yeah.
7: In yeah. XFL, you uh, they they know you? Uh some some spots, I'd say. I mean yeah. I just gotta say my name out there a little bit. Yeah. Hey, and yeah. and he in DC. DC Yeah, and single. So
0: uh. and he, me, he, made
7: sure, look, he made sure like he made
0: sure. Jordan Tamu, I'm single. <laughs> and just so you know. You know what I mean? I, I think this would be you know, and, and we, you know, you're going to be our last guest, so I think yeah. you're supposed to finish uh, with the best of the best for you. And I mean, as honestly as I can put it, there is there is no player in the XFL or probably in football, period, that hasn't dealt with disappointment. Yeah. Right. There. There had to be something that that didn't allow you to reach the ultimate goal up until this point mm-hmm. of being an NFL. Quarterback when you have the level of success you have this year. Fred also mentioned the level of success you had in the US USFL We talked to Russ Brandon and he wants you guys to take that next step. They're pushing for you to get that opportunity How much of? Being able to continue your career on that level Motivates you or has motivated you to play as well as you did this year.
7: Yeah, I mean um you know, the goal for for me since I was little was just to, you know, make it to the NFL and just get an opportunity or a shot. And um, I felt like, you know, coming out of college, out of Ole Miss, I just didn't know where to go. I had like some workouts here and there, and then the XFL popped up out of nowhere. And I was like, I'm going to take a shot. I'm going to take a chance. I don't know what it is. I'm just going going into it blindly and You know, it kind of worked out for me then, and uh, going back into it now, uh, I feel like everything has, you know, God has a plan for everything, and I felt like this was a plan uh, that has already been written. And, you know, just having, you know, being overlooked, like I said before, and just going into it, I mean, all I can do is just kind of play my game, and whatever teams, whatever coaches call me after this happens, and I'm just gonna do that. And
2: I asked uh, Luis Perez as well, that was starting quarterback in the championship game. Like, to Ryan's point, y'all all want to make it, right. you know, the next level. And that's what the XFL is not hiding, that we're working hand-in-hand we're working hand with the NFL. Yeah, like, yeah. we're encouraging these guys to go make it. What do you need to do to make that next step? Like, that's the best players, yeah. self-evaluate. Right. I know guys, the Hall of Famers, that they'll get 10 picks, one, one pick. Yeah. They'll watch any ball that was caught on them. You self-evaluate. What do you need to do to make that next?
7: Thing? Yeah, I mean, I've said to myself after the USFL last season, you know, I had a lot of touchdowns. I did lead the league, but I did have a lot of interceptions. And going into this league, you know, I made a goal for myself. I'm, I said, I want to, you know, be the number one quarterback in this league. I do want to lead in touchdowns again, if, and I do want to, you know, lower the interception rate. And I um, kind of – so in the beginning of the season, I only had one, you know, throughout the whole time, and I finished the year with three – Um, Those threes were just like, you know, bad decision making, but um, I made that a goal for me to, you know, kind of fix from last season. And, you know, I just want to keep getting better each year. I'm only 25 and I feel like I am young. I do have a lot of, you know, playing time left in me. So um, definitely want to keep learning from my mistakes and just kind of keep getting better. I feel like, you know, that interception touchdown ratio was what I was lacking. And I wanted to fix that.
0: Well, man, congrats on all of your success. I mean, it's one big game. Left to play, and yep. I mean Ricky Bobby said the best, man. If you ain't first, yeah. you last. Yeah, you last. You know man. what I mean? So I ain't trying you know, to be last. Yeah, right. You gotta go out and finish, man. Appreciate your yeah, time. Sir. Bro. Thank That's you guys enough. so much. Yes Appreciate sir. <laughs> yes yeah, sir. Thanks right. on the award, man. I knew you, you guys, was gonna you. say something <laughs> stupid. I <laughs> do. <laughs> you you, <too>. you <laughs> ten pounds from you, man. a damn linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I gotta take a picture right quick. Yeah. All right. I get it. I need to stand by tall people. Oh yeah, too big for you. Fellas, this has been eye-opening yeah. to not only... I mean, we had coaches cry, bro, and you know, just take us back through what the XFL means to players, what it means to coaches, the opportunities that it's provided when you get to continue something that's always been a passion for you, but you get to watch it succeed. I think it's truly a testament to what Dwayne and, and Danny... Uh, set out to start in 2020 when they purchased the XFL and now in their inaugural season under the new regime in 2023. I think, Fred, what's one of your, or what's some of your big takeaways from the interviews that we've had today?
1: Uh, RC, much like we started, you know, we talked about the fan bases being familiar with, with the product, with the players. And uh, that's how you 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 grow the fan base, you grow the actual game. And really just the familiar faces that we had sitting here. You know, Coach Williams, uh, we were together in Jacksonville. Coach Barlow, a teammate in Jacksonville. Uh, just just that familiarity. You know, I'm hoping that they, they're they able to continue to put that in front of the fans. And uh, like I say all the time, exposure. Exposure does lead to expansion. And if they continue to go that in that direction, they'll be able the to expand this league where it's just another... No you know, great football product, which we love so much in, the, in this country.
2: And, man, I was the skeptical one. And I think, you know, DJ said that on, on, his, on his show. And I would say, speaking from all levels of this league, it changed, my, it changed my mind today. Because it's not a fling. I thought of this as a fling. A little, okay, oh, they're going to start a, a little league for a while. They're going to play a couple games, and it's going to get back to it. The, the effort, the preparation, two years of research— as Russ was talking about you know, earlier, just all the, all the due diligence they did, they approached this as starting a league, not to compete with the NFL as we've established today too, but to be right there next to it, encouraging their players to go. If a guy has a down year, gets, the- gets injured, what about the other way too? Right. A guy gets yeah. hurt, hey, go play in the XFL, make sure you're right, we'll bring you back. Like I'm understanding now the synergy between both leagues because I think my doubt came from, this will never be the NFL. You're never gonna have those guys, and if they're there, they're gonna be in the NFL soon. It's changed my thought about the XFL's approach to the
0: XFL, and I'm swinging. And I think that's the, the large part I left with is awareness, mm. right? Like, that, oh, it's, that's, that's awareness, self-awareness. You understand who you are and who you're trying to be, and that leads your decision-making, right? You show me somebody's decision-making, I can tell you their priorities. Mm. Their priority isn't to take over the NFL. Their priority isn't to be the number one football organization in the world, but it's to be a football organization, to be a football organization that can last, a football organization that can be respected. And that first has to start with self-respect. And it brings me back to our earlier conversation about Vince McMahon. I don't think he respected football because you said... He turned it into wrestling. Yeah. Dwayne Johnson, who is the most famous wrestler of all time, is a football player. He's player 54. So if there is anything that he respects, he respects football. He has a passion for football and understands what it means to those players who are just like him who became player 54. Um, I think now as we move forward, this is something... We would always love to be a part of. We appreciate Dwayne Johnson giving us the opportunity to not only speak with him leading up to the championship game, but opening up the doors to the XFL, which is something they worked so hard to put out a finished product that is now going to be anticipated in years to come, not questioned. So to the D.C. Defenders and the Arlington Renegades, best of luck tomorrow in your big game. We look forward to watching you continue to put out a great product on the field. For all of you guys who got mini camp invites, we wish you the best of luck. And just know, the XFL doesn't have to be the last stop for you. But if it is, Dwayne Johnson and Danny Garcia has made it a stop that you can be extremely, extremely grateful you were able to make. This is the pivot. Hold up. Limit it. Take a stomach, Got my people feeling militant, way I'm finna get me up, uh, on a mission get me up, uh, Knowing me I got the key, uh, only vision I can trust, uh, trust, uh, limitless, think it's to me cap in pinning it, I father here to witness it, got my people feeling militant, uh, way I'm finna get me up, uh, on a mission get me up.